This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Oh, yeah. Here we are for another edition of the opening kickoff. Good morning. Welcome in. It's Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. We encourage you to join the conversation as always. 694-1055. And, of course, you can get us in the app at WNSP.com. I say, of course, because, you know, the app's always working. I got a great show lined up for you. Mr. Shervanian, good morning, sir. Good morning, Mark. This was kind of a dreadful weekend in Texas football with the Longhorns getting beat. A&M went down to defeat. Cowboys were crushed by the 49ers, so little to cheer about. But the baseball teams are picking up the slack. Yesterday, the uh, Texas Rangers swept Baltimore, so they're moving on to the ALCS for the first time since 2011. They belted three home runs. And then the uh, Houston Astros belted four home runs to beat Minnesota. Neither of the game was competitive. Nine to one was the final over Minnesota. They lead two games to one. That will be one of the three games today that will be on the uh, TV schedule with the Braves and Phillies at 4.07 in game three. Houston can finish off Minnesota tonight, 6.07 there. And Arizona can finish off a sweep of the Dodgers if they win tonight in Arizona. And speaking about Texas, a story that really kind of, you know, I was really sad to see about Mary Lou Retton. She's in a Texas hospital, the one-time darling of the Olympics in uh, Los Angeles back in 84, uh, the first American male or female to win the all-around. And it really sparked an interest in gymnastics. According to her daughter, uh, she's fighting for her life. Uh, she's got some kind of rare form of pneumonia, and they've set up an account. She doesn't have medical insurance at all. So she's been in the hospital for about a week, and it just kind of saddened me because I remember all the, the hype that was going on when the 16-year-old girl went out there and, and, and did a fantastic job and, and really sparked interest in gymnastics back in 84. Yeah, uh, back when I saw that yesterday, they had already – I think the goal was to raise like 50000 uh, She had – she had over just over thirty thousand at the time I saw it. Hang on, I'll get you an update here because I'm sure Lee has donated to the cause here. Let's see. I think many people are going to donate to her. She was really. Do you know how much she's raised now? No. One hundred and forty-eight thousand dollars. She Good became what I consider, and again, I'm trying to go back and think about this. But when you come to the Olympics, the media darling, she was on what the Wheaties box. She got into TV some uh, motion pictures and things like that. She just became just a- an alpha girl. Did I mean, you guys ever eat Wheaties? No. Have you all ever had Wheaties? I've never. I, I ha- I've ever had, had Wheaties. I've had it, but I've never, I never really went all out for it. It seems like it would be like Raisin Bran without the raisins or, or Frosted Flakes without the Frosted. Now, Wheaties just don't look very good. Is Special K similar to that? Because I eat a lot of Special K now. No idea. Never had Special K. That, I was that never a big Wheaties. Yeah, I was never a big Wheaties fan. Special K is good. Is it? It seems. Yeah. It seems like it's the. Um, doesn't it have like fruit and stuff in it. No. No. Well, it can. Plain and it can. There's a different. There's yeah. different varieties. I just so eat the plain. Special K is just like the the flakes with no flavor. Basically, no flavor. Well, Goes good with raw milk. <laughs> no flavor equals no fun. Well, 
to each his own. I have, believe me, when I'm eating it, I follow with my chocolate candy, so I get my sweet well, taste little, there. Okay. But anyway, we wish for the best for her, and, out, I guess. and I'm not surprised that they're raising money because, like I say, she was just she was so popular back then, and what she did was unprecedented in the Olympics. I do want to congratulate the Sports Authority, Mark. They sent out a release that the fiscal year ending September, they brought in 39 sporting events that tops, it's a new record, and an estimated $31 million in the economy, which is also a uh, new record. So congratulations to do Danny Cordy. You, do you think Michael. Danny was sitting there saying, oh, if we could have gotten one more, we could have gotten a 40? Yes, I do think. I think that he is sitting there right now. He's probably the sitting there listening to our show, eating a special K, wondering, oh, hi, you're so right. That's true. No, that's a good, that's it, pretty cool. Yeah, it is really neat for them. Uh, some basketball news. Dylan Brooks, it took this him is only hilarious. Yeah. It took him less than five <laughs> minutes to get ejected in his first game, a preseason game. The one time bad boy of the Memphis team. Now with Houston, five minutes into his first game. You're out of here. Yeah. Uh now our general rule on this show is we don't really talk about the NBA <laughs> prior to like Christmas. True. But this is hilarious. And what's funny is uh, his quote was so professional and technical sounding he's like i tried to navigate a screen no you didn't you hit a guy in the nuts like what are you doing but yes it didn't take you know think about first of all it's just pre it's an exhibition right it's just a glorified practice but you've got to have a little excitement new team going out there finally getting some co competition and dude within four minutes out is gone hit him in the groin he said i might have tapped him below the waist <laughs> yeah you might have so, do you have the Robertsdale game this week? I do. Yeah, you saw where the head coach stepped down. I did. Uh, I spoke to him yesterday as well, and, uh, and then that news broke last night. So. Oh, he didn't tell you that, that he was no longer the coach? He did not. Ooh, so you've been cursed by the, the opening kickoff curse, which is we talk to people, and then breaking news happens right after we talk to them. I spoke to him for about 30 seconds total to... To you know, try to acquire their depth charts. What did he say about that? Stuff. About his roster? Did he get? Is he that, that he would send them? So okay, timeline. What time did you talk to him? Probably around noon. Oh, all right, yeah, because I saw this story about two hours later. Then nice guy. So he he is a nice guy. He yeah. had to have. He known, is a right? nice guy. Is it possible that you talked to him? He thought everything was right with the world. He gets off the phone with you, and and then he gets called in, and there's I don't an know. issue there. I don't think so. He probably knew. Well, he. I feel bad for him. Is either retiring on his own, or was he's still the out. athletic director? Yeah, he is. He's the athletic director. They've lost twenty in a row, and they're on the road for the next four games. Oof. Yeah, talk about. Talk about that. It it doesn't look good to get a win this year, but you never know. You never know. Have we have we looked at their it's let like me, let me St. Paul's Spanish Ford and MGM left or something like that? It's it's not great. Hmm. Okay. Well, th there's some opportunity there. Let's what, just there is. <laughs> well, which you one, can. Which uh, one? There's which a one? chance for a signature win or. Um, so what they're going to divide it up among the uh, assistants? That's my understanding now. They'll all have a hand in it. They're at oh, they're all on the road at St. Paul's, at Spanish Fort, at Mary Montgomery, at Baldwin County. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. Speaking about basketball, a story that we'll be following later today, we think, and then tomorrow, Kansas, the NCAA ruling on uh, Kansas basketball infractions expected to be announced today. 
All right, so we got a lot going on today. Uh, somebody in the app asked uh, a question that first came to my mind when I saw the Mary Lou Retton story, which is how does Mary Lou Retton not have health insurance? I thought about that too. It's I, uh, I don't know. Uh, who you, you would mother think of four? Yeah, you wonder. Yeah, uh, and she's not. I mean, what is she? She's in her fifties, right? She's not. She's not that old. No, for, not at all. For having such a uh, severe illness, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's a crazy story. All right, so we got a lot going on today. Also, fifty five. Um, I'm sorry, she's fifty five. Yeah, I mean, she's only yeah eight years old. There was than another me. individual that passed away yesterday who was fifty seven. Brave fans may remember Jim Poole served up Dave Justice home run in Game Six of the World Series. He died of ALS. Well, you're just full of good news today. Not really. I mean, uh, deaths, firings, whatever. Dallas uh, football in Texas. Guys getting hit in the, the <laughs> in the, the groin. Whatever region. Yeah. Although I did find out that uh, that Lee does balance his nutritious diet, his breakfast, with a special K and chocolate, which kind of defeats the purpose of the special K, I think. But I like it. I like it. Look, if it doesn't have sugar in it. It's not cereal. Cereal isn't supposed to be good for you. It's cereal. What's your favorite? Uh, Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> I got Cocoa Puffs 1, and then somewhere in there, there's a Lucky Charms Cocoa Krispies or Cookie Crisp uh, kind of order. I don't know what the order is. I, I like other ones, right? I like Raisin Bran, but not over my the sugar... Fr- the box of sugar that I would normally eat. Why? What do you got? I mean, I, I there's not a lot of cereals I don't like. I like all the sugary ones. I, I just found that funny. Uh. I mean, it's well documented on this show that uh, your predecessor, Nick, there, used to eat shack balls. Um, shack balls? Yeah. He would. He always had like a box of honey bunches of oats in the, yeah. in the kitchen or That's something. That's because he couldn't afford the shack balls anymore. Mm-hmm. All right, coming up today, uh, Steve Norman, the Baker coach, got a big game this week. He'll join us at 6.30. Dan Jennings on baseball and all other things. Rick Schaefer, our good friend uh, over there at the Arkansas Radio Network, will join us as uh, the Razorbacks prepare to travel to Tuscaloosa to face the Tide. Uh, Chris Stewart, speaking of the Tide, will join us at 8 o'clock. And Richie Riley, the South Alabama basketball coach, will join us at 8.30. Someone in the app, Captain Crunch, any flavor. I've heard that, but I heard that's a little that that that's holy terror on the mouth. Apparently, that's 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 tough sledding. You got to train yourself for those. That's just what I've heard. Here comes your scoreboard, your traffic, and your weather. The opening kickoff is just getting started. Hi, I'm former Major League Baseball player Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5 love every minute of it. His MVP. Golf swap. Right field. Forget about it. Rangers strike first. All right. 622 here. Look, already in the first 20 minutes of this show, we've knocked out gymnastics, NBA, baseball, hockey, Gymnastics and your favorite and your favorite cereals. Let's do some college football. Okay. Yesterday we announced uh, about uh, Mark Stoops' comments. He was on a radio show. 
said, uh, yeah, a caller called in and wanted to know why they can't beat the elite teams in the SEC. He said, well, I need more money to go out and get players for NIL. He said, Georgia goes out and buys players. So I wondered if we'd hear from Kirby Smart, and he did. And he basically made a comment yesterday. He said, look, it's much to do about nothing. He, he understands what Kirby Smart – he understands what Mark Stoops was trying to do, was trying to get more donations for NIL. He wasn't offended by it. He said it's just the way it is in college football. And he says Georgia's continuing to do it and will continue to do so to try to bring in good players with NIL. Well, that's no fun. Come on, Kirby. Clap back. You bought your players. You can't stand for that. Defend yourself. See the difference between Kirby and Jimbo? It's like a likable coach versus just the most unlikable guy in, in the SEC. It, it's, a, it's a great point. These, these are very similar situations, but handled so differently by those two coaches. And it's easy, though, to be more likable when you're winning championships than when you're not. Now, here's my, here's my question to you guys, though. Does Kirby respond to Mark Stoops? The same way, if we never have that Jimbo Nick Saban back and forth, it's uh, a fair point. So, it's, so is the championships point. But at the same time, like I think Jimbo probably gets offended at if Jimbo is winning championships. You know, he he probably it'd probably be easier for him to say, ah, yeah. So what? Yeah. You know, yeah. who? Yeah, I you know I, maybe I have bought players because it is Stoops, what it is. right? Least, I mean, Stoops was making the same point. As, as Kirby Saban. explained, as, as Saban, Saban was did, doing, right? He's he's basically begging for more donations yeah. for NIL. That's what he was doing. He was yeah. calling out. He was answering a caller why they don't beat the elite teams. He says because I I don't I haven't gotten. Basically, he's saying I need more money to get the elite players. That's what he's saying. Yeah. And Kirby understands that. And like I said, it's a lot easier to be in a a nice way when you're winning championships and you're top of the. Uh, Top of the list, whereas Jimbo, the pressure and the big contract he has, and he hasn't done anything. Yeah. Poor Jimbo. Poor Jimbo. Said, said no one ever. Wait, wait a minute. And he's got, I'm sure, medical insurance, and I'm sure he's well taken yeah. care of with his contract. Hey, now, Lee, he was within one possession of Nick Saban's worst Alabama team since 2007 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but what was the final score? <laughs> That's all that counts. Oh, Lisa got some scoreboard, 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 scoreboard. Yeah. I wonder. Do you, if okay. Do you think that? All right. Do you think that alleviates the pain felt by a hundred eight thousand no. fans there? No, no, I think it's worse. It. Exactly. I think also the fact that you know there were decisions made by Jimbo that cost them the game. I didn't think kicking the field goal uh, to you know put them within. Four. I didn't think that was ultra egregious. I thought punting from midfield on fourth and one, I think it was in the third quarter, was significantly worse than that. Uh, you know, I thought it was the right call early in the game on the first possession to go for it on fourth and one as well. So, I, I mean... Could he? Could it have been that he didn't trust Bobby Petrino's play calling? I, don't, I mean, I think I'm throw, wait a minute, I'm, just, yeah, I'm just throwing that out for fun. I, yeah. you know, I'm not a Petrino fan. No, I think early on in the game, I think in the first quarter, in the first half, because there was some success there, I, I think absolutely you go for it. But based on, and and I'll give you, Michael, in that 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 punt at midfield. Oh, it was yeah. terrible. Yeah, I mean. You get, I was you, clapping when they lined up yeah, the punt. Are you trying to win it, or are you trying not to lose it at that point, right? Same uh, thing at the end of the first half. They had like a minute and a half and two timeouts, and they just ran the ball. They, they, You know, it's a chance to step on throats. He played the whole game not to lose, not I to win it. I don't think I've ever seen as much football 
as I have this year with teams going for it on fourth down. Even yesterday, I tuned into one of those college games. I can't even remember one. I think, oh, it was the Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina. They had like a fourth and four or something, and they went for it inside the red zone and scored a touchdown instead of kicking a field goal, which would have made it like they would have been down by about four points at that point. But I have never seen so many teams going for it on fourth down. All right, I think we could all agree, not just in this studio, but everybody listening, that nobody likes Jimbo Fisher. No one. So my question to you guys, if you take Fisher out of the equation, who is the most unlikable SEC coach right now, currently? Brian Not Kelly. named Jimbo Fisher. Brian Kelly. He's Bro- a close second, I think. Oh, I, I wouldn't I say I don't know that. if there's a close anybody. No, I don't think there's he a close. He might be second. I don't know. You think you, you hate him that much? Like you, I'd say close second relatively. Like I, I think he's firmly in second place. I'll say that at least. Why would you put him up there? I, I, again, I don't have a better answer. I just don't, I don't know of another coach that is would be disliked as much as Jimbo. I right. That's why I'm asking. Like who, who, If there was a coach that you had to say, I don't like him, and his name isn't Jimbo, but he had to come from the SEC. Yeah, I have who would to be been? honest with you. There's nobody else there that I don't like. I mean, they all have their flaws and everything, but I don't I don't have a dislike for any of them. Those are really the only two that I don't like would be Jimbo and Brian Kelly. I don't really have an issue with any of the rest of them. Uh, Brian Kelly, and I think he's a much better coach than Jimbo, too, so that's why I'll give him second place over Jimbo, but I, I do not like Brian Kelly. I think he's very arrogant. Uh, there are a lot of stories about him that, not a great dude either, uh, but yeah, I I don't care for Brian Kelly, but I do think he's a good coach. Whereas Jimbo, I think I think he's a complete fraud and not a good coach at all. So, you know, yeah, nobody else at, you can look at. No. I, there's nobody else I can find. I was I was just kind of going down the list. I mean, win or lose, you like Pittman. I mean, he's a lot yeah, more I love inter- Pittman. He's yeah. a lot more entertaining when he when he wins. Clearly, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't nice know how great beer. a coach Napier is, but I don't have a problem with Napier. Napier is a very nice guy. I've had conversations. Drinkwitz with him. is a seems like a good guy. Good guy. Uh, Clark Lee's he's fighting the uphill battle. Yeah. Zach Arnett. I mean, those guys are all like it's hard. You don't you may not cheer for them, but you're certainly not cheering against them. Uh, Beamer's the same way at South Carolina. Um, yeah, I mean there was. You know, I don't have a, I don't have an issue with any of the other coaches. Here's the other question that we need to get into. Outside of, you know, Saban and Jimbo and a couple others, is this kind of a boring group of SEC coaches? (laughs) We'll have to get into that a little bit later. Uh, I can tell you who's not boring is the Baker football coach, Steve Norman. He joins us First place at stake. Right here on the sports station, WNSP. Don't go anywhere. Chick-fil-A I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A Alright, Lee, it's 6.32, it's time for some fried deliciousness for the people For the masses, feed us! Monday, the uh, NFL game billed as the Carlson brothers uh, Anders kicking against uh, Daniel the Raiders won. Anders had more points than Daniel. The question is, it was about 36 years ago, give or take a few years. Name the last set of brothers who kicked against one another in the same game. You got to uh, call Michael and give the names, the two, and first names too. Oh, first wow. And last names. You don't have to name the teams, uh, but name the two place kickers who kicked against one another. And this goes back, well, some 35 years ago. 
Huh. All right. Your questions have been tough lately, Lee. Yeah, he doesn't want to part with that Chick-fil-A now. Well, maybe you guys should take a, you know, a, a issue with that maybe and get a little tougher with naming it. You couldn't name the last three that we played. <laughs> I can't, but our but our audience well, we can. We got a little uh, audience a, is a lot smarter. I than got a me. little. Well, maybe I'm just more giving than you, Lee. How All about right. that? That's fine. Well, you're, we're not giving anything away until Alec Naiman comes on Friday to actually. Give I'm it giving away. away chances to. I to, understand. To, yeah. All right. It's like buying a lottery ticket, right? Although sure, the odds are a lot better. Lottery ticket. It's like giving people lottery yes. tickets. Not not buying them, but give them to you. All right, uh, we're ready to talk some high school football with our good friend at Baker High School, Steve Norman. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing? Man, that's Jesus' chicken now. That's really good chicken, so you got to be careful. <laughs> man, place kickers are brothers. Yeah. That's a difficult, man. Hey, the first thing that popped in my head was like Tiki Barber and his brother played against each other, but I, kickers, that's tough, dude. Yeah, I'm guessing Smiths, Andersons. <laughs> Whatever, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, yeah, Johnson. <laughs> Steve, yesterday, Steve, yesterday on the 830 uh, slot, our guest came on and actually gave away the answer. So you're not going to give away the answer because you don't know it, right? No, 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 I don't know it. I don't know the place kickers 35 years ago that were brothers that played against each other. No, you no, know, my can't first, we can't recall that. When I first saw it, I thought it maybe was the Gogolak brothers, but that's not the answer. So let me, um, is this the most significant Baker MGM game Friday night in in recent history? You're both four and zero, vying for first place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I guess it's the it's it's the most important one. But you know, you want to pull out the old well, it's the next game. It's the most important game. But yeah, I mean, obviously it has a lot of significance because uh, number one, we're crosstown rivals. Number two, you know, we've we've uh, I guess been struggling programs in the past and stuff, and never uh, got to this point. You know, where we're both vying for the region championship. So yeah, it's a it's a very important game. A lot of star power. Your quarterback earmarked for Mississippi State. Their quarterback earmarked for South Alabama. This is all the makings of a really good offensive game. So it'll probably wind up what being seven to three or something like that. Yeah, it'll be seven to three. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and which you know, from a defensive-minded guy, that's an awesome, awesome game. But you know, yeah, you you think it's going to be. Uh, hopefully, it's going to be one of those games where. You know, and they're, offensively they're very good. You know, and and they are hard to stop, and they do. Or they're so clean and efficient in what they do and the way they play. It makes it. It's going to make it really tough to to hold them to seven points. The other point too is, it's one thing to finish first, then you know you have home field, but you don't want to finish below two, right? You want that home field advantage for that playoff game to start out with. Well, if you ain't first, you're last. So if uh, <laughs> yeah, most definitely, that's a huge aspect of this. As far as, you know, not just winning the game, winning the region, but, you know, you think next level's okay, you know, playoffs. So, you know, there's a possibility. I mean, you know, we, we kind of played the game a couple of days ago that, um, you know, if, if we if we lost MGM and lost to Fairhope, we would may bump down to a three seed if, I think, if Daphne wins out. It's one of those kind of crazy scenarios, but... You know, yeah, you don't want to travel, and you don't. And let me tell you, that region too is—it's Murder's Row. I mean, we went through Daphne. I mean, through Dothan, and they were an extremely tough football game. And I think they're in third place up there right now. All right. So I wanted to again. I go back to that question I asked you: the most significant game. When's the last time anybody, even including you, can remember? Hey, uh, we're this late into the season. Mary G. Montgomery's undefeated and ranked number four in the state. 
I don't think that's ever happened since I've been around, you know, since I've been a baker. And I've been a baker a long time, so it's never been a situation like this, I don't think ever. So it's going to be a huge game. How uh, how different is your team today than it was when we came out to see you during our high school game day? You know, I, th- I think we've grown a lot as a team. I think we've developed, which is one of the good things, I guess, as a coach. You kind of step back and look at to see that there's a lot of growth and a lot of development in some areas where you really needed it. So hopefully we've kind of turned the corner a little bit on progressing uh, some of these kids. Getting, You know, we've had some kids playing in positions they never played before. That's always a great, you know, great thing is by the time, you know, we get to the, the toward the end of the season here, these kids are, are finally starting to, to be the kids that we kind of, you know, hope they would be back in back in july and august so coach when you you know when you get up in the morning you head to work uh people are nicer to you community is a little more uh more open to talking to you is that, is that how that works yeah, yeah you know yeah you get a few more back slaps in, in the walmart line versus a, a few more uh derogatory foul language remarks as you check out so yeah it's it's, it's good well you come hang with us i'll i'll give you some foul mouth derogatory remarks win or lose coach <laughs> y'all are used to that aren't you yeah oh yeah that's how we live man that's how we roll uh Coach, we appreciate you spending some time with us. Oh, you got another one for him? Yeah, I want you to talk about some of the storylines. And Mark kind of asked you about this, about your team and what it was like when we came out. But some of the, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you obviously you've improved. But to what degree have you improved? You know, I think that our, our offensive line has done a, a, a job that we thought was going to be a, you know, it's going to be kind of a weak point to our team. I think our defensive front is the same way. We were, I was both very worried, you know, back in August when he first came out there that our my fronts were going to struggle, and they have really kind of, you know, stepped up to the challenge and been a very integral part of why we have have maintained ourselves in some games and also uh, have won some games was because of them. And also, it seems like every game I'm reading the story about your quarterback uh, throwing to Kane, the Auburn uh, commit, is how much better is he now? I mean, we hadn't even heard about him last year. I mean, has he just come on really strong this year or just what? Yeah, absolutely. He was, you know, he was not. He's only played two years of high school football, so, you know, there was a lot of area for development he had to kind of catch up with. He was a great baseball player, and, and, and but his, he's a great athlete, obviously, so he just kind of had to catch up to the to the game a little bit. So he's really done it. He's worked his behind off to get to where he is now. So it's, it's, a, it's a situation where he's a very good athlete, and once he's kind of started adopting some of his athletic skills to football, uh, he's turned into a, just an a unbelievable receiver. Yeah, Steve. I, I always love it when a, a football coach like yourself is asked about a guy like Bryce Kane. I think a, a couple weeks ago you were asked about him, and your response was, I had no clue how good he could be. I, that always that always sits well with the yeah. community when the coach has no idea what's going on. <laughs> well, the thing about it was he'd never played football. Yeah. So, I mean, when he came out there the first time, he caught, it, the, the football hit him in the face mask and bounced off his head. I was like, oh, my God, I think we got a long way to go here, boys. But he, uh, you know, I think about it, he was, he'd never played baseball, I mean, football in his life. He's always played baseball. I mean, his brother, I think, just got uh, just got signed on with Oklahoma. I mean, he's a Division One baseball player. And he always kind of thought that was going to be his path. So, uh, he, he's extremely fast, and, and Coach Kyle Cagney saw him out there running the bases one day and said, hey, man, do you want to play football? And He said, yeah, I'll come try it. So he got him out there on the field started running routes, and he, the ball literally hit him in the face like three times. And I was like, "So we got a long 
Yeah, for the record, uh, Coach said I had no clue he would be an SEC kid. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to take you out of context. I do that with other people, but not you, Coach. You, you, you put yourself in enough trouble. I don't, I don't need to do it for you. Yeah, I think so. I usually, I usually paint myself in the corners as it is, you know, with my mouth. So that doesn't bother me at all. No, well, not at all. What time's your pep rally Friday? Uh, I, I, really, I don't know. We hadn't gotten that far. They, you know, well, I was they, gonna, we have like four or five of them, so I don't know. I was going to offer to send out Matt McCoy to help lead it. I was just trying to help. Yeah, we always need McCoy, you know, to come down there and uh, be the cheerleader that he's always wanted to be. So that's uh, that's always a, a pivotal moment is when he arrives. Yeah, but his, his, it's a, it might be a deal breaker this week, Coach. He said he'd come out, but he's, he wants to keep the pom-poms after. Like, he can't he, – he's not giving them back. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. He probably wants the pom-poms and the skirt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they don't make them that big anymore, Coach. Uh, <laughs> he, he's got to hang on oh, to them. Man. Coach, uh, <laughs> always great to catch up with you. Best of luck. Should be a good one, man. Uh, we wish you well, and uh, let's do it again soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it really is. Uh, that's Baker Coach Steve Norman, ladies and gentlemen. want to tell you guys a little bit about what's going on this Saturday, the WNSP Watch party for the Crimson Tide. That's right. Alabama, Arkansas, 11 a.m. kick. Head to the Outsider, located right there at the corner of Cedar and Dolphin Street. Man, there's 22 TVs. Uh, we're going to have giveaways. As soon as you walk in, you might score a WNSP T-shirt. In fact, I can almost guarantee it. And you put yourself in the running for an official Alabama jersey, compliments of the vault. Plus, there's some opportunity there to win some Iron Bowl tickets. Details coming on that. But a bunch of beer and food specials. They've got the Roll Tide, the War Eagle, and the Go Tiger shots. And that's Go, G-E-A-U-X, for all you LSU fans. Uh, so make sure you get out to the outside this Saturday. It's the WNSP Alabama Watch Party. Uh, so come out and uh, hang with the, the cool kids. All right, when we come back, uh, we'll take your phone calls. Uh, we'll uh, reset a little bit. Coming up at 7 o'clock, Dan Jennings. We have Rick Schaefer, speaking of Arkansas. He's with the Arkansas Radio Network. He's going to join us at 7.30. And Chris Stewart at 8 o'clock, Richie Riley at 8.30. Man, we're just cruising along here on a uh, Wednesday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Braun are right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hey, this is Amari Cooper. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP. as Hensley sneaks it in the right upright. All right, at 6.48, we're wrapping up hour number one. Hey, congratulations to John. He got the answer to Lee's Chick-fil-A question today. Chris and Matt Barr. How about that? Chris and Matt Barr, um, obviously about 36 years ago. By the way, that, that field goal was at was uh, Coastal Carolina beating Appalachian State Sunbelt Conference game yesterday. And in that game, Mark, the quarterback for Coastal Carolina, he seems like he's been there forever, uh, Grayson McCall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Threw for about, what, He's 300? 37 now, I think. <laughs> Should be working on his master's then, right? <laughs> his master's master's. 373 yards, two touchdowns. The reason I bring that up, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe some of our Auburn fans can help me out, that's the quarterback that Hugh Freeze had targeted to go to Auburn. Uh, I mean, according to reports. Now, I, I can't confirm or deny that, but that's the quarterback that they wanted. But there was some academic issues 
And so he returned to Coastal Carolina because he was right up there on that list uh, with Hartman at Wake Forest and the quarterback who went to Kentucky. Um, that is one of the you know the quarterbacks that teams were coveting because he's had such a great career at Coastal Carolina, and here he is now, and it must be his fifth or sixth year there. Uh, you guys can jump in in the app. Uh, we talked a little bit about the opening now at Robertsdale. Uh, there's a nomination for Rush Probst. Uh, they need some, and I quote, toughness and a little crazy. Uh, I think Rush might want to come down to the Gulf we, Coast. Yeah, and we'd love it. I mean, I would, I would love to have him down here again. However, even at Pell City, he, and of course, now they don't have a win. They did appeal the uh, the forfeit from the state high school athletic association but he's at pell city that's where steve mask was last year if you remember steve just won one game there with think yep. it was his final game so yep. they haven't won a game now unless they can get that forfeit win back on their uh, winning track but otherwise they haven't won a game i've, I've used this but i've said this before there's you know how there's always a guy that everybody kind of knows a guy that has been wrong about something, but he tries to convince people so much that he's right, that he actually believes that he's right, even though he knows he's wrong. I don't want to use the word lie, but basically a person that lies so much to themselves that they actually truly believe they've convinced themselves that they're telling the truth. I kind of feel like that's Rush. <laughs> like Rush – how does trouble continue to find a guy that can that that continues to shout from the rooftops that he has done nothing wrong? Well, here's the ten thing also. How it has the football world, the football gods, decided we're going to wrongfully accuse Rush Probst of any and all things? But isn't it isn't his story pretty much the what we just talked about, like with Jimbo Fisher, the fact of the matter is that the um, when he had such great success at Hoover and then, of course, the skeletons started coming out yeah. and the information, like we haven't heard much about him. They haven't won a game. It's been kind of quiet. But like with anything, when you're on top, people come after you, and obviously he kind of enabled that by some of the things he did. Sure. And, you know, that – it, it just stayed with him, and it always will, no matter where he goes. If, if, if you're right, oh, I say if you're right. If Robertsdale brought him down, there'd be that long list of things. But he's been a winning coach at least up till this year. And I'm, I'm just wondering if he went to, like, Hoover or a school like that and didn't win any games or anything, if we'd even hear about him. Well, uh, I think so. I mean, they haven't been winning. They've won one game, and we're hearing about him. Let's take a phone call. Elvis. Elvis, my man. What's shaking? What's going on, man? How are you? Hey, uh, I got a question and a comment. So the question is, didn't you remember the guy Martin Gramatica kicked for the Bucks for a while? Didn't he have a brother that kicked as well? He may have. I don't. I I remember who you're talking about, Gramatica. I don't remember if he had a brother who I'm kicked. I'm pretty sure he did. And I mean, you're probably I can't, I can't right, Elvis. They ever kicked against each other? I know that. I know his claim to fame was that he. Tore his ACL when he was celebrating making a kick. So yeah. he's a real doofus. I anyway. remember. I remember <laughs> that. Talking about. I remember the Gogolax. Talking about people who uh, people who lie a lot and they lie so much that they really believe it. I know another guy like that. His name's Donald Trump. I'm out. Wow. Heavy. Huh. 
Speaking of politics, very quickly, do you see where Steve Garvey, the one-time great Dodger, has now entered the uh, – says he's going to enter the uh, Senate race uh, in California. Uh, Dianne Feinstein passed away, and that opened up the seat. They named somebody. The interesting thing here is that Steve claims he's a Republican, and they haven't had a Republican win there since 1988, a Senate race in California. Grammatica's brother was a kicker in the NFL. Do they ever face one another? Not that I see, but I'm just reading off Wikipedia. <laughs> wasn't there a, wasn't there a couple of Zendejas's, or did I make that up? No, it could have been. I'm, I might have made that up. Zendejas? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, someone says, uh, it amazes me, Sir Marcus, how you ask these questions about Rush and then turn around and have him on the show. Well, why? Yeah, he's... Oh, we, we, we actually have asked Rush some pretty pointed questions and that's why we continue to have him on, um, because he's, he's willing to answer him. He's a terrific guest. Now, he did – if you remember the last time we had him on, you asked him about kind of trouble following him. Not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And he got a little sh- – not short. He wasn't upset. He was – because he, he ba- – well, you're the only one bringing he him is up. Never, well, he has never shied away from a question. I will say this. In all these years I've been down here, one of my favorite interviews ever was having – Rush and Terry Curtis in the vehicle we had at that time. It's a different vehicle than we the have cruiser, now. The cruiser. The sports a, cruiser. one-hour show. It was great radio for me. There's only w- one other interview I could think that was right up there with Bo Jackson and Herschel Walker. Hmm. Okay. Very good. All right, so we got a, a number of things we need. By the way, one of the things we haven't really had a chance to talk about today was uh, Auburn and their game. What – Who's got the advantage in this game? It's is the this clash of the titans? It's it's Auburn's defense. I think is pretty good. They're gonna be in. They're gonna be tested Saturday against LSU. But I think if Auburn is looking to score some points, I think you've got the right team on the on the schedule. All this right. Week. You asked the question. Who's got the advantage? Obviously LSU. Night game, home night game. That gives them advantage right there. Jane Daniels. In his last three or four games, has accounted for no less than four touchdowns. So, are you telling me if all works out for LSU, he's gar- he's almost guaranteed four touchdowns? That's twenty-eight points there. Can <laughs> Auburn can Auburn match that? I don't know. I feel like the three of us could go out there and score on LSU's defense right now. Lee, is this the is this the day they do it? They haven't thrown for a hundred yards against an SEC defense in like a full Ooh, calendar year. I s- is this I've, the day the streak I'm not, breaks? I'm not convinced because I have to see it to believe it. I and think it, it hasn't is. happened yet. They have to. There's been all this talk about all the receivers dropping passes. Right, they, there's all these quotes about how they've taken that personally. All the, the the negativity that's been thrown on that position group since their uh, since the game against Georgia. I, I I think they do. I think they do it as well. So it's a true clash of the titans between just a dreadful secondary and a horrendous passing offense. Who has the advantage? Probably LSU because ultimately they'll right, they'll well score you, enough points. So much was said about Carson Beck coming to Auburn and playing before that crowd. Now you're telling me that the Auburn quarterbacks and a night game at LSU, this is the breakout game for them? Have you I seen that I mean, defense? I don't think it's the quote-unquote breakout game for them, but if you're going to 
put up yards and points against an SEC defense, this is the one to do. I don't care where it is. They could be played on the moon. It's against the LSU secondary. They may have a better chance. The ball floats better up there, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, they might. They Peyton may, Thorne they might be able to throw it 20 yards. I, I don't not, know. I'm not convinced. I, Again, I have to see it to believe it. You brought up, what is it, six straight games against Power 5 teams. They haven't gone over 100 yards. I think it's more than that maybe seven they have if they don't rush the football well and a game that atmosphere there lsu atmosphere on a saturday night well so oh, but, no. but let's be clear about what we're no. talking about i don't think michael and i know i'm not i'm not saying auburn's gonna win that game yeah. i'm simply saying that in the last two weeks lsu has given up almost a hundred points they gave up right. 700 yards to Ole Miss and nearly got 50 pieced by Missouri. Like they, they give up yards, they give up points. They had opponents though who had quarterbacks who could get the job done. I'm not convinced Auburn does fair, yet. Fair enough. And Judkins, but we're just talking. We're not talking about putting up 50 points. We're talking about going over 100 yards of. of I mean, <laughs> even that I'm not things. convinced. Even that I'm not convinced. I I don't think Auburn wins. I think. Maybe they keep it semi-close. It's like an 11-point spread, which I think is a little bit high, uh, again, for an LSU team that can't stop a nosebleed. Again, I think LSU has the advantage in that they're going to ultimately put up enough points for Auburn to not be able to keep up. But, I mean, I, I think that defense is bad enough that Auburn's going to be able to hang around for a few quarters. Hope you're right. But Jaden Daniels, like I said, what, four or five straight games, four or more touchdowns at least, and yeah. then some. He's phenomenal. He he's, he's the best quarterback in the SEC. I still contend that. All right. So uh, coming up, we're going to talk to Dan Jennings, Rick Schaefer in hour number two, the Arkansas Radio Network. He'll talk uh, Arkansas-Alabama, obviously. Chris Stewart will be along at 8 o'clock. Richie Riley at 8.30. So we got a lot going on. We still have to play a little uh, edition of Naming It uh, to get you qualified for the Alec Naming Catering Party because we're announcing the next winner of that tailgate coming up this Friday during our Dr. Christopher Monix High School game day. We're over at uh, Celebrating Cottage Hill. So, hour number one in the books. Here comes hour number two. Continue with those comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's uh, Mark, Lee, and Brana right here on the sports station, WNSP. Stay with us. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station 105.5 FM WNSP and on the sound of mobile app the latest sports news traffic weather and timely guests with Mark Hine Lee Shervanian and Michael Brawner the opening kickoff. Kickoff. kickoff here are Mark Lee and Michael all right, 7.05. Thanks for hanging with us on the Wednesday. The opening kickoff continues. Mark, Lee, and Bronner all in the studios of WNSP. All right, some of our headlines again in baseball. Uh, the Rangers complete a sweep of Baltimore, and Houston takes a two games to one lead. 
uh, in Minnesota. Those two teams, the two Texas-based teams, had a lot of home runs yesterday. Got three games today, Braves and Phillies at 4.07, Houston-Minnesota game 4, 6.07. And the Dodgers in Arizona, 807. To that, we bring in Dan Jennings, the assistant general manager of the Washington Nationals. Good morning, Danny. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing well, guys. Good morning. Do you feel bad about Baltimore getting swept since your brother was just named the baseball scout of the year for the Orioles and they had such a great uh, run? I do. I hate it for them. I, uh, You know, you got family members involved, man, and you pull so hard for them to to show up and they had a remarkable year and they have a great future ahead of them. But, uh, boy, for three games, I got to tell you, Texas, the way that they went out and pitched and played and they just, uh, they took it to them in every way imaginable. So do you buy into this? Uh, as you look to the records of the teams that had a buy, it's not very good. You had the Orioles with a hundred wins. They had a buy. They're swept in three. Uh, you have the Dodgers, with 100-plus wins. They're on the verge of being swept by Arizona. The Braves, well, they're 1-1. So do you think there's something to that, that the teams continue to play without a bye, have an advantage? I've always felt that way, Lee, and part of the reason is I've been part of two World Series champions, and we had to fight all the way to the end to get in it as wild card uh, champs. And I think that uh, – I think guys, when they get out of their routine, the swing, especially the hitters, they lose the rhythm of their swing. And I've heard hitters talk about it, you know, and they, it's something that they need to feel. It's something that, you know, once you start that routine and you get into that daily ritual, you need to stay with it. So I think it's a factor. I think when you look at uh, the outcome of the games this year, it is certainly. Uh, proven itself again that it's created uh it's created a little break in what what they are able to do so let me ask you this do you think baseball will take a look at this and try to change next year and maybe not give teams a buy i you know what i don't know how you do that because you you know it, the system is set up to reward those who play great over 162 so it's kind of a danged if you do danged if you don't kind of scenario is the Arizona two games uh, to none lead on the Dodgers the most surprising thing this uh, postseason, or is there anything else that caught your attention? To me, it is. I, I just can't get over how they went to Los Angeles and knocked out the two Dodgers starters in what? In two innings, they scored like nine runs off them? You know, you look right now, the teams that are struggling or have been beaten pretty bad, it's the lack of starting pitching. And you know what? People can tell me anything they want about the way the game's changing, the way the game's turning, analytically or whatever. Starting pitching is still key. And when you go out, you, you watched uh, Nate Evaldi last night just absolutely demolish that, uh, that lineup with Baltimore that's got they got some threats up and down the lineup, guys that can really swing it. And uh, that starting pitching in the postseason, you know, you when you start to tax your bullpen and they run out of gas, when you need them to close stuff out in a close game, they're spent. And starting pitching is still the way to do it. And I think it will always be the way to do it. Astros barely got in this year, and, and, they, and they went in as a, uh, a wild card. So now – there is talk that this is the team to uh, this. Well, actually, no, they did finish first, right? They, they actually did. I'm sorry. They weren't a wild card. They're the one team that has really done well. 
But now there's talk that this is a team to beat as they try to defend their World Series because of the way they're uh, hitting the ball now. But if you'll remember, they won the uh, West on the last day of the season. And so they were fighting for something all the way down the stretch. Uh, this team, you know, it, th there is something that I do believe that there is such a thing as a World Series hangover. It takes a little time to get yourself uh, you know, the focus and the intensity that you had the year before, especially after the uh, postseason that they had in 2022. But, man, they've got some professional hitters. When you look at Brantley and, and this, this uh, Jordan Alvarez, he essentially has put the team on his shoulders right now. And two doubles yesterday, a home run, Abreu starting to get hot and swing the bat. Bregman's a professional hitter. And uh, they've got the pitching. They've got the starting pitching to go out and do what they're doing. And um, they're going to be a tough foe down the stretch. Huge game today for uh, Minnesota. they got to respond their home so they have a little advantage there um, and I think it's the same thing for the Braves because the Phillies are going home that has the chance to be I think the best uh, the, the best series that could possibly go five games yeah I don't obviously we've got one series already over with if Houston wins that's over in four and if Arizona wins that's over in three I don't like for the Braves I don't like that matchup tonight we don't even know who's starting for the Braves maybe Elder against Nola uh, do you think the Braves have a chance to stretch it out to five? Oh, they have a chance because they got firepower. And uh, you know what? I, I know it's been a great year to watch uh, Acuna and, and Olsen and those guys put up the numbers. But that cat playing third base is a pro. And uh, the play he made the other day on the overthrow when he um, – when he picked up the overthrow and threw by, uh, doubled up Bryce Harper at first base, that that for me had the feeling of the Derek Jeter Giambi play in the World Series, and just a guy that's in tune with the game, backed up, hustled, made a great play, and ended up uh, he, he hit the home run to give him the lead, and then makes a great play to end the game. All right, and, and I'm you know I'm all favor all favor of the Braves getting to five games, but they get shut out in the opener. First time they've been shut out at home this year. They only had four hits in that remarkable comeback game the other day. That's not exactly like they're the most prolific lineup that we saw during the regular season. Yeah, it's taken them a while, you know. And the one thing too, uh, Lee, is that they play each other so much. Number one, and number two. Uh, the advanced scouting teams that go out and follow your team down the stretch, your opponent, uh, they they know your weaknesses and strengths, and they know who's hot and who's not. And I think that factors a lot into, you know, how to attack a guy uh, at a certain point of the year. And it appears that the Phillies certainly have been pitching to uh, to the weaknesses of the Braves. Who would have thought Bryce Harper would be the base running blunder that he did the other day? I mean, he's he's a pro. I mean, he's like one of the best players in baseball. You would think he'd be the one that would do that. You know, I, I don't fault him for that. I think that was great aggressiveness that ended up taking two tremendous, well above average plays. Uh, he knows he's got to score from first on what looks like a sure double, and he read it, and Michael Harris just ends up making a tremendous play, and then as he's scampering back to try to uh, in return, uh, Austin Riley makes a great play. So, you know, does it look bad because it's the third out? Yes, it does. But I think Harper realizes, look, we're on the road. 
we have to tie this game. I need to score from first. And he read it, what he thought was right, and Michael Harris erased it because of a tremendous play uh, at the wall and up the wall. Can't thank you enough for joining us with some input on baseball, Danny. Have a great day, and we'll check in with you next week. Okay, Greg. Have a great week. Thank you all. All right, Dan Jennings, give you a little baseball update there. Lee's got a big smile on his face. Look at him. We'll see if I have a smile tomorrow. I feel like you get into these uh, Major League Baseball well, places, maybe more so than your your average college football weekend. I think I think your mood shifts depending on outcomes of baseball more so than, than college football. I watch more baseball in the postseason than I do during the regular season. I'll be honest about it. I'm not a dedicated baseball fan to watch anymore. But I will say this. After those two games yesterday, after they kind of got out of hand, I, I turn it off. I mean, when you're when you're trailing in the first inning and second inning, like six to one and so forth. And, you know, I, I just feel that unless, you know, I'll keep checking like on my iPad to see if the games are kind of close and so forth. But it's kind of disappointing because I, I like these series to go five games. I love to see that fifth and deciding game or go to seven. And we haven't seen much of that. And we've seen the teams that were the teams that got a buy. It is very conceivable that the three teams that went over 100 wins are all being eliminated. You, the Dodgers could be eliminated today. The Orioles were eliminated yesterday. And the Braves now 1-1. You know, they have to win two games in Philadelphia, which I think is not going to be a cakewalk. I think it's going to be very difficult for them. Uh, all right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we need to get you scoreboard traffic and weather. Over, under, does Auburn go over the 100-yard passing mark against LSU this weekend? They have yet to do it this season. Lee's not so sure. Bronner and I feel like they are because LSU's defense is so bad. But, of course, there's a reason why Auburn hasn't gone over 100, and it, sometimes it has nothing to do with the opponent you're facing. So where do you all stand on that? And is Wheaties really a good cereal? I mean, Mary Lou Retton in the, uh, in the conversation, I've never had them. They look like unfrosted flakes quite frankly we'll get to that and much more stay with us it's the opening kickoff hey there this is bob baumauer ex-jock head fry cook and i listen to 105.5 wnsp mobile alabama i don't think you stop him there's just there's too many weapons around him and he's too good I think um, you look at the key to this game is can we hold them to field goals? 722, welcome back in. That's the voice of Auburn coach Hugh Free. Speaking of the Auburn Tigers, man, I got to tell you all, really cool event coming up, the Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash. It's the 11th annual. This is an organization that supports wheelchair sports at Auburn University. Every year they have a great event, a $10,000 drawdown. Guys, you can walk away with 10K. And here's the best part. There are only 300 tickets sold, so you got to act fast and get in on this. It's for a great cause. It's December 6th over at St. Dominic's Murphy Center. Got a lot of great uh, amenities to this uh, event. Catered by Bay Gourmet. How cool is that? DJed by our own Matt McCoy. And where it really gets cool, the outstanding silent auction. Uh, this year, a signed soccer ball by Pe the late Pele. How cool is that? Uh, so that's going to be a really cool item. Also, there's going to be plenty of Alabama and Auburn 
uh, items and memorabilia, signed and otherwise. Uh, Dr. Mike Rim is, heads this up. He does a great job with his event every year. The Auburn wheelchair basketball head coach, Rob Taylor, uh, also a USA coach, will join uh, the festivities there at St. Dominic. So if you have any questions, uh, if you need tickets, uh, if you'd like to donate to the silent auction, call Dr. Mike Rim, 232-4753. That's 232-4753. All proceeds go to benefit Auburn Wheelchair Sports. The club was inspired by Mobile native Dr. Jared Rim, who was born with spina bifida, became the first wheelchair athlete to compete for Auburn University. Uh, so it's a, it's a great event, a very successful event, and we encourage you to take part. Again, it's the 11th annual Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash set for December 6th at St. Dominic's Murphy Center. We'll have more details for you as we get closer. So uh, get in on that. All right, speaking about Auburn football, because we talked a lot about this, and Mark had asked the question, who's got the advantage? I'm not saying Auburn can't win this game, but certainly the advantage lies to LSU playing at night under the lights at Tiger Stadium, which is quite a home field advantage. But wasn't that the reason, one of the reasons that Gus Malzahn was let go? Because, number one, he couldn't beat LSU, couldn't beat Georgia, couldn't beat Alabama. <laughs> wasn't that? All right, so there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I think there's a better chance. The real question is, does Auburn, does Auburn go over 100 yards passing? Look, I think there's a better chance of them going over 100 yards passing than I do of them winning the game. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't. I think there's a better chance of them going over 100 yards rushing than there is passing. Right, but the question is, can Auburn do against LSU what they haven't been able to do all season? And the reason we ask it is because LSU's defense is just awful. Well, the thing about running the football, you're going to— See, this is what they did against Georgia, and it was successful, whether you liked it or not— they eat the clock up because, you know, with the new clock rule about not st stopping the clock after first downs, it was Auburn's advantage to keep possession, to keep the uh, Georgia offense off the field. If anything, you want to keep the LSU offense off the field. So I wouldn't be surprised if basically they fall back on the running game, run the football, kill time, throw an occasional pass or two. I don't think they're going to go pass crazy unless they fall way behind. Uh, LSU's given up. A lot of rushing yards and a lot of passing. Yeah, I mean, they gave up 700 yards to Ole Miss. Well, the key is Judkin keeping LSU's like offense off the field because you don't want Jaden Daniels with that ball in his hands. He's just had such a great year. So running the football will at least be to your advantage to kill some time off the clock and keep your defense off the field if they can get first downs. Hmm. Interesting dynamic here. All you right, throw so you the football, an, you, you throw an LSU incompletions. That, that has the potential to score at will. All right. In order to keep pace with them, you will have to score. But at what point do you go away from milking clock and making sure you can keep up? Well, you hope that LSU doesn't get off to one of those real fast starts and a breakaway explosive play or something like that or interception return or something like that. If you fall way behind, all bets are off and you may have to go to the air. But I don't think that's what Hugh Freeze and the offense are planning. I, I just think they're going to stick to the plan like they did against Georgia and keep the game close going into the fourth quarter. I think that's what they would like to do. I don't know that for sure. It just seems the logical move to make. The only issue I have with it, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but the only issue there is LSU's offense right now is far more prolific 
than what Georgia's offense was when they played Auburn. Very true, and that's why you don't want to give them the I ball. I mean, we haven't seen Georgia. I mean, last week was really Georgia's first, hey, we're number one and we're showing you we're number one game. Um, but if you go out and start throwing and throw incompletions, then the clock stopped. I'm not saying you go out there. I don't say you, and I, I, I don't want to put words in, in Michael's mouth. I don't think we're suggesting that they go out there and throw it all over the field. I'm just saying it's it's probably more unheard of to not be able to throw for 100 yards than it is to go out there and actually throw for 300 yards a game. Like, it's harder to throw for under 100 yards in today's game. Colorado they got to have, like, a semi-balanced attack to have any chance they they can't run the ball to victory against this lsu team that's well what do you what do you think i mean against georgia you go back there they rushed for over 200 yards which was pretty tough to do against georgia pass for under 100 yards and they kept themselves in the game why would you think anything else would be different against lsu playing on the road under the lights at tiger stadium georgia's got a soft run defense you couldn't throw the ball on Georgia. Yeah, soft run defense. They held Davis under 100 yards. He did not have a good game. That's not Auburn soft. Auburn rushed for like 200 yards against Georgia. Yeah, and then they maybe made, made adjustments. That's exactly stopped. what Mike Griffith told us. They got a leaky run defense and it proved to be true. That's no, why they it, were in the game. Not against Kentucky. Fight, fight, fight. Not against Kentucky. They yeah, held Kentucky them. ended up not being very good. Hmm. Alrighty then. Let's talk Arkansas. Okay. Rick Schaefer's going to join us next. We'll preview uh, from a Hogs perspective this weekend's Alabama game. Stay with us. A little bit. Uh, so there's going to be opportunities for other people to step up, and how well they do that will, you know, be a, a huge determination because. Um, I don't think we have any easy games coming up. Alabama coach Nick Saban there. Welcome back in the opening kickoff. The uh, the Crimson Tide hosts the Arkansas Razorbacks on Saturday at 11 o'clock. I don't want to contradict Nick. He's the best, but he, I think he's got, doesn't he have Tennessee Ch Chattanooga or a school like that coming up? At the, the game before the Iron Bowl? He's always got a. Uh, yeah, in Chattanooga. Game. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it does have at least one easy game. I know Arkansas is not an easy game. They're a good program. Rick Shaver is a good friend of mine. Long time Arkansas. Well, he used to be the sports information director when I first got to know him, but now he is on the Arkansas radio network. He'll be at Bryant-Denny helping call the game, and then he's a radio talk show host. Good morning, Rick. How are you today? Morning, Lee. Good morning, Mark. You know, I, I think Nick Saban uh, is going to say that about anybody. He's got a little bit of Bear Bryant in him. Uh, you know, every opponent's better than they are until they play and beat them 49-3. to So, um, I think Alabama fans may not think of Arkansas as much of a threat right now because they're 2-4, and four, but Nick Saban takes everybody seriously. And, and who knows? Um, Arkansas hadn't beaten Saban since he's been at Alabama. It'd be nice to break that streak at some point. Rick, coming into this season, the two quarterbacks most talked about, Jaden Daniels, who's had some mm -hmm. big numbers, K.J. Jefferson. Has K.J. Jefferson lived up to the hype this year? No. And I think part of it is because he's had to run for his life quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> I think in the last two games he's been sacked 12 times. Uh, which leads to uh, an interception or two. He threw two 
against Mississippi, including one when Arkansas had at least a chance to drive and tie the game at the end of the game. And his protection has not been good at all. Uh, The biggest mystery about this Arkansas team has been its offensive line because there's just this assumption that um, if Sam Pittman's the head coach or has anything to do with the offensive line, it's going to be really, really good. And in the past, it has been. Uh, Last year's protection was good for KJ, and and the year before when Arkansas won nine games, the offensive line was really, really good. But for whatever reason, it just hasn't gelled yet this year. There are a couple guys um, that have not been healthy all year, particularly a guy named Tykeus Crawford, who's a would have probably projected as a starter. A guy, Devin Manuel, probably would have projected as a starter. And they've played very little this year because of injuries. But nonetheless, uh, there are numbers there on the offensive line. And and the biggest disappointment has been the two seniors in um, Bo Limmer and Brady Latham, who um, not only have not performed up to the way they did the last couple years, but uh, Latham's been guilty of several uh, procedure penalties. Last week, Arkansas had six illegal procedure penalties against Ole Miss, and and again, that's just something you don't expect from the offensive line. You know, Rick. Um, you know, you there's something rattling around in my head. You're talking about sacks and pre-snap penalties. It just reminds me of another team we talk about so often here on the show. I just can't put my finger on it. Well, I don't know. It certainly, if Alabama's having those problems, they overcome them, if that's what you're talking about. Yes, that is know. indeed what we're talking about. Rick, they had nine pre-snap penalties oh, last yeah. week. Right. 14 yeah. penalties. Well, and, and you, would, you wouldn't think they'd ever do that either because Alabama's superbly coached, and Arkansas is usually superbly coached. And I'm not saying uh, it's always a coaching problem because you know, the players have to do it themselves, but it has been unusual. Uh the Razorbacks penalized themselves out of touchdowns against Ole Miss, uh, against LSU. Uh, against LSU, they had uh, second and goal at the one-yard line or third and goal at the one-yard line, got a procedure penalty. Back to six, you get a field goal instead of a touchdown, lose by three points. Against Ole Miss, uh, Arkansas, uh, it, when it was coming back and before it actually took the lead, had second goal from the four, got penalized, incomplete pass, running play failed, field goal instead of a touchdown. So sometimes those procedure penalties, you may still score, but it may keep you from scoring a touchdown instead of a field goal. So I don't know if Alabama's having that kind of problem or not, but uh, believe me, that's the least of Arkansas's worries. Yeah, they've had <laughs> they've had touchdowns called back and flags. We may be looking at a flag day uh, coming up on Saturday because, like I said, Alabama's had uh, tons of uh, pre-sap penalties and everything. If you had to, let's say, convince the average Arkansas fan that, hey, we have a chance against Alabama, what would be an advantage or two that you see in this game on Saturday? Anything that just sticks out where Arkansas has got the advantage? I don't know where Arkansas has an advantage. Alabama, I'm sure, usually has a great kicking game. Arkansas does have a terrific field goal kicker in Cam Little. And it's really interesting because those of us who've been around a while know that in a tradition of great kickers, Steve Little is still probably recognized as the greatest kicker in Arkansas history. He kicked from uh, 75 through 78, kicked a 67-yard field goal in CAA record. He kicked them. Back then, if you missed one, they didn't bring it back to the line of scrimmage. They just brought it back to the 20. So he would try some longer ones. And this year's kicker is named Cam Little. And he kicked a 56-yarder last week against Ole Miss, had plenty of room. I think he's 9 out of 10 on field goal attempts this year. 
extremely accurate and um, has a, uh, a family member that has Down syndrome. And so for even before the NIL really hit big his freshman year, he was giving money to a Down, Down syndrome um, charity for every field goal that he made. And he still does that. And I think with NIL, it's hiked up considerably. So not only a great kicker, but a great kid. So that's one maybe some slight advantage. And I'll say this, Arkansas's defense last year was porous. Uh, the Razorbacks last year ranked dead last, 131st in America in pass defense. That's changed dramatically. In fact, they were 100 and, I don't know, 103rd or 104th in total defense. Right now they're 43rd or 44th. And uh, Travis Williams, who was the defensive coordinator at Central Florida last year, has come to Arkansas. The secondary coach came from Florida State. And we are not seeing receivers running five yards behind Arkansas's defensive backs like we've seen in the last couple of years. So I don't know if that will be an advantage or not, but Arkansas does bring a much better defense to Tuscaloosa this year than it's had in the last two years. How about Rocket Sanders returning to the lineup as a running back? Has that energized the offense a bit? No, <laughs> it really has. I mean, you have to be frank. He, he has Rocket's not the same guy. He has had some kind of knee ailment um, ever since the first game of the year. Uh, now, I'm, I'm one of those, and certainly uh, I'm not a coach, and, but I've been here a long time. I've seen some backs who put on weight that sometimes is not good for him. Last year he played at 220. Right now he's at 240. And they say, oh, he hadn't lost any speed. I, I don't know about that. It's a, we had a back named Cedric Cobbs back in the early 2000s. Did the same thing. Uh, after a sensational freshman year, uh, he and sophomore year, he gained weight in his junior year. He wasn't as effective. He lost the weight in his senior year. He was back to being good again. So I, I don't know if the weight's hurting him or if it's just a, a knee issue. Uh, he's probably playing at about 80 to 85% right now. Plus, either the line is not opening the holes or he's, he's not getting through them fast enough. Really, Rashad Bedinian's Arkansas's best back right now. But here's another one, again, just unheard of in Sam Pittman's uh, career as a line coach at Arkansas, Georgia, back as a head coach. In six games, Arkansas hadn't had a back rush for 100 yards yet. And, you know, Sanders last year rushed for over 1,400. And there are other backs that are good, too. So I think it's as much an indictment on Arkansas's offensive line as it is on the running backs. Rick, as you know, if Alabama loses a game, the fan base goes nuts. Uh, what's, <laughs> you, you're a talk show host up there. What, how are they, the fans reacting to a 2-4 and four record right now? Oh, they're not happy. Uh, Sam Pittman, two years ago, probably had the most unexpected good season, one of two most unexpected good seasons in Arkansas history. One of them goes all the way back to 1954 when they went from 3-7 and seven to uh, Southwest Conference champions in 54, 3-7 and seven and 53. When Sam Pittman got there, the previous two years before his arrival under Chad Morris, Arkansas had won a conference game. The next year was COVID. They had to play 10 of them. They won three. And then the next year, they went 9-4. and four. Uh I'm not sure anybody could have seen that coming. So last year they slipped back to seven and six. Again, in a third year of a of a rebuild after two seasons where they didn't win a conference game, that's not bad. But I think Arkansas fans expected a little bit better. Now they knew this gauntlet of having to play um, four straight games outside the state of Arkansas at LSU, 
Texas A&M and Arlington, at Ole Miss and at Alabama. They knew that was going to be difficult. I think the shock was losing to BYU at home. Now, BYU is pretty good, but Arkansas probably should have won that game. So now you're looking at probably two and five when this game's over, and can you recover in the second half of the season? The schedule will allow you to if you can win some games, but, yeah, I think it's disappointing. But also, from a, from afar, found it amusing. Everybody from Paul Feinbaum to uh, national pundits were writing Nick Saban's coaching obituary. That's a pretty stupid thing to do because the guy knows what he's doing, and Texas is very good. And since they lost that game, they haven't lost since, and, and I'm sure they feel like they're still very much alive in the college football playoff plan. They do, and I wanted to ask you one question relative to future scheduling. And you mentioned Texas. Is is it your feeling or any vibes you get that when schedules are released down the road after 2024, that Arkansas-Texas would become a every-year rivalry game as it was back when, or is that not going to happen? Well, Arkansas fans would welcome that, even though Texas uh, had a pretty overwhelming series advantage over Arkansas. But since Arkansas has been in the SEC, they've done pretty well against Texas. And uh, including two years ago in that 9-4 and four season, they thumped Texas pretty good when they came to Fayetteville. So, yes, I think that's that, that brings back a rivalry. You know what's really interesting, guys, is uh, at that game two years ago, it's the first time Texas had played in Fayetteville um let's see maybe they no they that's right because they didn't come to Fayetteville during the Petrino years because they didn't make the return trip so this was the return trip so first time since they've been in the Southwest Conference years ago so the students at Arkansas they had no clue about the Arkansas Texas rivalry it's all SEC to them and yet they showed up for that game with a passion that you rarely see at a football game. And, you know, with the horns down and all that kind of stuff, even the students. So, yes, I think Arkansas would welcome that. Uh, I think they also welcome 2024 when they don't have to play Alabama or Georgia. That's a pretty good deal, too. But um, I don't know how it's going to be set up. I think most of us have assumed it's going to be a 3-6 schedule where you play three teams all the time and rotate the other six. If so, I'm told it's going to be Arkansas. It's going to be Texas. Missouri and Ole Miss, which would be really good. Arkansas Ole Miss dates back to the 1900s. Uh, that also would allow, say, Alabama to play Auburn and Tennessee every year and some of those other rivalries. So, yes, I hope Texas is it. Now, if they play a one, you play only one permanently. I hope that the Southeastern Conference, Arkansas-Missouri is not a big rivalry. Now, Arkansas hadn't beaten Missouri enough lately, but it's not a big rivalry, but they tried to make it one because when Texas A&M came into the league, they, they've had a rivalry with LSU, and so they ended up moving that game to uh, the Thanksgiving, either Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. And so as a crumb, they gave Arkansas and Missouri on Friday after Thanksgiving. It's a good game, but I don't think Arkansas fans are as passionate about that as they are about playing Texas. Can't thank you enough, Rick. Always a pleasure to have you on the air with us, uh, and have a good broadcast this coming Saturday. Well, Lee, every time we show up at Tuscaloosa or Fayetteville, Eli Gold always comes into the booth and says, take it easy on us. So this <laughs> week, can I say to Alabama, please take it easy on us? You can say whatever you want, Rick. I'm not sure anybody's <laughs> going to listen, but, yeah, you can give it a shot. <laughs> we appreciate it, All man. Right. Yep, thank you.
Okay, thanks, guys. Rick Bye-bye. Schaefer with the uh, Arkansas Radio Network. Mark, I hope when you get to be in my territory as far as age that Dr. Mullenix is still around to take care of your dental implants if you need any. I really do. I've been going to him for many, many years now. I've had seven, maybe eight, I've lost count, dental implants. And I can tell you this, I would highly recommend him for his professionalism. Very personable guy also, very personable. I like that, very low-key. And my 30 minutes in the dental chair, I was telling somebody this the other day, it's one of the best sleeps I've had. And the next day, no pain <laughs> and very little discomfort. I'm not, a, I'm not very good at sleeping. I'm... I just love the fact that you're promoting this as a way to catch up on your Z's, man. There you go. Have it is. No, it is. Knock you out and go to town on your mouth. That's Pause. exactly. He takes good care of me. I uh, 30 minutes in the chair, and that's it. I'm out. Next day, no pain, very little discomfort. I didn't bring the pain medicine in today. I forgot all about it. Ugh. All right. I'm, I apologize to you for that. They specialize mobile oral and facial surgery. They specialize in dental implants, as I just said, jaw surgery, wisdom teeth, much, much more. You do not need a referral. They're located at 715 Downtown or Boulevard. You having any problems? Give them a call, 471-3381. And even day of, there's a possibility you could get in in the afternoon to be examined by him or Dr. Wallander. All right, so guys, when we come back, we're going to play another round of Naming It. That's right. You guys get a shot at getting qualified for the Alec Naming Catering Party. We'll do that when we come back. We'll wrap that up. Uh, wrap up hour number two next. Chris Stewart's going to join us at the top of the hour. Hey, for all you local high school basketball fans, a reminder that uh, Baldwin County High School Media Days is today at 8.30 and will be streamed on uh, Ballin' Down South, the sports network. So for all you uh, local hoops junkies like myself, if you're looking for a little something to do today, there it is. All right. We are going to give away another catering party on Friday. One of the last couple chances you have to get qualified for a chance. Coming up next, right here on the Sports Station, WNSP. This is Andrew Zell, Alabama former quarterback. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. I'm over here dancing, and Bronner's just looking at me like, dude, just let's get on with it. Uh, all right, wrapping up. By the way, got a little breaking news in the, the world of Hollywood. I know that all of you are on the edge of your seat, just can't wait to find out. But first things first, we have to get somebody qualified for the Alec Naming Catering Party with another round of Naming It. You know how it works. We will play an audio file, person, place, or thing. Be the first person to identify said clip to Mr. Michael Bronner. At 694-1055, and you will be the latest to qualify for said tailgating party. Mr. Bronner, hit it! Did I do that? Did you know what that was, Bronner? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at it, so yeah. All right, Lee, do you know what this That's not part of it. Did you know what that was? Not part no. of it. Hmm. All right. I think people in my kind of wheelhouse will get this pretty easily. We're going to do this on the air. Let's do this on the air. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, caller. Welcome to WNSP. Tell these guys what they just heard. That was Urkel on Family Matters. Indeed it was. See, there are four people in here, and two of them knew it. 
The other two are my colleagues on the show. Who, who are we talking to? This is Derek. Can you give us uh, your best uh, Urkel impression? No, I cannot. Well, at least... <laughs> Did I do that? But, Laura, I love you. All right, man. Congratulations. Uh, stay on the line. We'll get your information. Yep. See, I've, I've gotten into a rut now where I'm picking stuff that people in my age group can relate to. Little, little too young for for Lee, little too old for Bronner. I need to start maybe spreading the wealth a little bit here. Maybe Lee, maybe maybe Lee, you want to give a shot at uh, the naming it clip tomorrow. I think you're doing very well. On no, you you continue. That's doing code what for you're as doing. long as I don't have to do it. I handle. Wait a minute. I handle Chick Fil A. You handle the. Fair enough. It. All right. So I got a little breaking news in the world of Hollywood, people. I know you guys. That's exactly why you all tuned into the sports station. But, Lee, are you ready for this? I have no choice. Jada Pinkett Smith has revealed. Look, I got people on the edge of my seat. Look, they're, they're curious. They can't wait. She has revealed that she and Will Smith have been separated since 2016. They have lived completely different lives. So? So this man went on stage in front of a world audience and slapped a guy for talking about a woman that he hadn't been with for like seven years. Maybe he was just trying to win her back. That's love, my friend. He was trying to win her back. They have been separated. Completely different lives. Did she ever make a comment on that? Did she ever? Oh, she's doing plenty of comments. What he did. Uh, Yeah, I think uh, she revealed some stuff. But nothing that. To me, came out like, oh wow, I'm so proud of him. Oh no, that's what I meant. No, no, they've. Uh, you know what? She, been, she you was. Know, asked, you know what would have been really a funny story? I mean, not funny, but a, a, a crazy story, if she had wound up with Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah, I need a man to stand up for me. <laughs> um, she's. Uh, it, it's a. It was a snippet of an interview that's going to be played later this week with Hoda Kopp. Who says, so it was not a divorce on paper, and Pinkett Smith said, right, but Hodakopi said, but it was a divorce. And Pinkett was like, yes, a divorce. So they're not legally divorced, but for all intents and purposes, they're divorced. But Will's still up there fighting for his woman against the weakest guy he could find at the Oscars. I'm just saying, if Dwayne Johnson were up there presenting, he ain't going up there and slapping that rock. Pause. He, You know what I mean? Okay, apparently I'm the only one interested in this story. Eh, yeah, you know. All right, very good. Moving on. So on Friday, we will uh, announce the winner, or Alec Naiman will announce the winner. Go While we are at it, kind of chill. We'll be at the church, not at the school. We'll be out there with Air Sports One. Looking forward to it. Kind of chills had a tough season. You know they. Um, They've had they had a coaching change. Still looking for that uh, first win. They play Mobile Christian on Friday. We've had success going out with teams that we've been broadcasting for winning games. We'll see if that continues. Our magic. We'll see if our magic continues. Um, you know, I thought our magic was going to end last week. Um. But I don't know. We're on this kind of magical ride here. At some point, it's it's got to fall off. We're on record-setting pace here. It's a long season. It's a grind. 
Everybody's coming for us now, Lee. We got the target on our back. It's going to be really difficult to sustain this level of play for a full season. How many? Uh, it's been a magical run, though. How many food trucks do you think will be out there this time? Uh, Over or under? One, I'm going to say two, at least one and a half. Uh, I'll go under one and a half. I think it's just going to be one, which is more than more than we have anywhere else. But they usually do a big feast for all the kids they're busting over. So, uh, so I think while there only will be one physical food truck, they'll have multiple food stations. How about that? And was it Mark or Lee that's going to be bringing me back food? Neither. What? Yeah, what it's mean? just the wrong way. Neither. On yeah, I'm going the other way. If I were yeah. coming this way. And and one thing you don't, you don't beg for it on the air. I wouldn't say I'm begging. Yeah, I'd say you are. <laughs> just no. eat your peanut butter powder and be happy. Yeah, we with your with your raw milk. With your raw milk. They, they don't serve raw milk where we're going. No That's wonder. Fine. Hey, now we know why he's begging for exactly. food when all his diet consists of is peanut butter powder and raw milk. Well, I'd be a lot healthier. Just remember, anybody who butter powder and raw milk, you'd be a lot happier with the food we brought you. Anybody who's invited to a watch party at Michael's house, just keep that in mind. What the refreshments may be, (laughs) we're all out. Come on in for peanut butter. I got peanut butter powder on the table, raw milk in the fridge. Grab you some celery sticks. The raw milk went bad. Uh, We had to throw it away. Did it have an expiration date on it? Because nobody had drank that stuff. There's a date on it. It lasts longer than regular milk, but it does go bad. So it, how long it, was it in there bef- before you had to throw it out? I can't believe we're talking about this again, but okay. <laughs> Let's move on. So how long does raw milk last? A little bit longer than regular milk. So like 10 days to two weeks, maybe three yeah. weeks? Yeah. So you Give probably had it in there for three to four weeks? Sure. It, it, and then it starts to separate. Yeah. Why don't you just shake that stuff up, man? Just <laughs> it. It, it doesn't work like that. It gets clabbered. That's a good. That's a. That's a good word. If you had to have add an, uh, a beverage of your choice, an alcoholic beverage to that, what would it be? Miller Lite. With with the raw milk. Oh, that's with what I raw, meant. With raw milk? Yeah. I with don't a, know. I, bourbon. I, whiskey. I, I, don't, I don't know. What's your Vodka? adult beverage of choice, Bronner? Miller Lite. Are you sure you're a beer guy? Yeah. As opposed to like alcohol, you. I don't I mean, like I, liquor. I like Miller Lite. Well, uh, my guess is because of your previous uh, partner, you know, you're just you just out of spite will not drink bourbon. <laughs> no, I didn't like bourbon before. Oh, <laughs> don't but now you like bourbon now. You definitely don't like it now. That's a good shout, but uh, no, I, I've been a Miller Lite guy and will remain a Miller Lite guy. All right, Chris Stewart is next here on the Sports Station. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, welcome back in to the opening kickoff hour number three. Let's get to it. Yeah, we only have a short time with Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide. And Chris, knowing that you've got uh, something else to do around 810, give me your best Jimbo Fisher. Talk fast. Talk faster than you've ever talked before. All right? 
So well, we're gonna play. We're gonna do a really good job. We're, I'm gonna try to give you some information. We'll try to try to give you what you need to know. Try to tell you what you need to hear. And I'm not really worried about last week and, and really what happened last week. If I was any good or not, but we're just. I'm hopefully gonna do a good job for you here today. That's a good start. That's uh, really good. Borrowing actually. on what Nick Saban said, uh, do you want the good or the bad? What was the good and the bad about your broadcast? Uh, the good about my broadcast, they still are letting me come back to work again this week. That's how it always starts for me. Um, no, I think the good was we uh, – I think we, we told the story hopefully as a crew with the same nervous energy that the uh, the fan base was feeling in the, in the second half or the fourth quarter of that thing. But uh, the bad, uh, I'll let other people determine that because there's, there's plenty to pick from and um, – but it was a fun game to call. It was it was uh, frustrating at times, obviously, from the Bama perspective, just as coach was obviously frustrated. But especially to get out of there with a win, especially when a lot of people didn't think you'd be able to do it. So you know you've made it, Chris, when, uh, when you get quoted back to you. So I quote, Nick's going to call a timeout right here, and someone might get killed. Yeah. And, and I stand by that. I'm Chris Stewart, and I endorse, endorse <laughs> this message. You uh, get to go the political realm. Yeah, it was so funny uh, since I wasn't on the receiving end of it because uh, you could tell that was not what he wanted to see done. And, and he was calling time out to make sure everybody was on the same page after he threw the entire book at them, I think. But he was he got it back under control pretty quick. But it was there was zero doubt in my mind there was a serious chewing that was about to take place. Chris, do you in, get, uh, in that moment. Do you get frustrated broadcasting a game with all those penalties, the nine pre-snaps and so forth? Does it come out in your voice? Sure. Yeah, I, look, I think, I, I hope when I'm doing the broadcast, and I've said this whether you're talking about, Lee, uh, you know, obviously my message is to Alabama fans. That's who my primary audience is. But I understand there may be fans of other teams that, that listen in, tune in. But the conversation that I'm having when I do that is to Alabama people and Alabama fans, and I'm seeing it through an Alabama filter. I hope that regardless of who you're a fan of, I tell the story clearly, plainly, accurately. I hope I describe the action in a manner that regardless of who, whether you have any allegiance to anybody or not, you can hear what's taking place, and I've, I have filled you in. That's my job, first and foremost, is to tell that story of what's going on. But I am seeing it through an Alabama filter. I've been an Alabama fan my whole life. Alabama signs the checks. The outcome affects my income. More we win, more games I get to call, the more you know money I get to make for my family. So, heck yeah, I want Bama to win. Um, and I think you hear that in my voice. I care. It matters to me as it does to Alabama fans. So when you hear me say, dadgummit, that's because – there are FCC rules and also my Christian faith that require me to say dadgummit rather than what I'm probably thinking along with most of them uh, in, in that particular moment. But it is as long as I'm able to tell the story clearly and accurately, I've never once been told that you can't have passion, uh, good or bad, with what's happening on the broadcast. Uh, quickly, I know you got to run Arkansas. What do you like? What do you don't like? What do you fear? What are you comfortable with? Yeah, I think they're really dangerous because they are talented. They've been in virtually every ball game. Uh, obviously, the record's not good. I'm concerned that maybe Alabama might have. Um, you know, I think this is a big test for this Alabama team to see where they are from a maturity standpoint. Can they find a way 
to uh, to play at the same level that's allowed them to get better each week since the loss to, to uh, Texas and then the really the final drive against South Florida is where you felt like things really turned for this team completely. And uh, hopefully we'll continue to see the improvement, the focus on themselves rather than Arkansas. But K.J. Jefferson is, is an unbelievably talented guy. He's got weapons around him. They can move the football. Uh, their confidence is probably not very high right now given what's transpired in, in late-game situations the last few weeks. But the fact that they're talented enough to put themselves in a fight in the fourth quarter to me says you've got to respect them and you've got to go out and play at a high level. Otherwise, you're going to be in a fight yourself. And, and who knows what can happen when you get down to the stretch and the ball doesn't bounce the right way. Hey, man. We appreciate the time. Great stuff. We know you got to run. Have a great call, a great time, and we'll uh, we'll be in touch, and we'll do it again next week. Hey, I appreciate you guys' understanding. I've got to, been given the privilege of speaking to the American Heart Association in Tuscaloosa this morning, and uh, that's the reason I'm, I'm having to cut short. But I do appreciate always you guys giving me the opportunity to visit with you. Yep, you're getting rave reviews in our app, We your Jimbo impression, so we'll revisit that soon. You got it, buddy. All Take right, man. care. Chris Stewart, uh, brought to you by the courtesy of Dex Imaging. Uh, speaking of the Crimson Tide, a reminder, the WNSP Alabama watch party set for this Saturday against uh, Arkansas. You need to head on out to the Outsider, located right there at the corner of Cedar and Dolphin Street. Uh, going to be a great time, as always. There's going to be tons of drink and food specials. You can get the Roll Tide War Eagle in the Go Tiger shots. Go, that being G-E-A-U-X, by the way. Uh, WNSP giveaways. We're going to have some T-shirts. Generally, if you just walk in, boom, you score. All right. Then, on top of that, thanks to the fine folks at The Vault, we're going to have a contest for you to win an Alabama, official Alabama jersey. So that'll be a lot of fun. There's also going to be some details on how to win some Iron Bowl tickets. But you need to get out there this Saturday to the WNSP Alabama Watch Party. It's the outsider located at the corner of Cedar and Dolphin Street. Should be a good time. Uh, his Jimbo Fisher actually was really good. He does good impersonations. He's done other coaches before. He's pretty good. Well, when we have more time, we need to revisit not only Jimbo, but what other impressions he does, because that was that was stellar. Well, do you remember the one when we had him on when he did uh, when he's doing basketball, uh, Coach Spivey, and he went out there and and got a team meeting. They they thought it was Coach Spivey, but it was really Chris Stewart. Hmm. He impersonated the coach, and, yeah. and they and they bought into it. We need to have we need to see how far how bag how deep into the bag he can go on that. And what's impressive about that is there was no warning, there was no heads up. Hey, we're doing this. He did that off the cuff. That was pretty good. I'm, I'm always impressed with Chris. New level respect. That respect was good Chris. stuff. That was strong. That was uh that was really good. So uh, kudos to you, Mr. Stewart. You know you always talking about the B roll when he, if if they ever get to a point this weekend where they go uh, where or he's calling a game and there's a B roll I think he just lays out all those impressions. In fact, we may just get him to do as many impressions as possible next well, week. Well, Eli's got the game Saturday, so we can work on that for next Wednesday. I, I like it. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan. All right, so let's get you a scoreboard, traffic, and weather. Uh, we'll see if we can catch up with Roy Hudson, Richie Riley coming up at eight thirty. How about that? You got your South Alabama basketball schedule, Lee. I know you're excited about that. Others are, too. Yeah. Uh, and who knows what we're going to talk about with Richie. That's, that's part of the fun. Maybe he does impressions. 
I'm going to say he doesn't, though. At least he won't admit to any. But there's only one way to find out. Stay with us. Plenty left on a Wednesday edition. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hi, this is Philip Rivers, football coach at St. Michael Catholic. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. here on a Wednesday. Thanks for hanging with us. The opening kickoff continues right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Talk to uh, Roy Hudson of Community Bank. Roy, welcome to WNSP's opening kickoff this morning. How are you doing? Hey, there we go. How are you guys doing this morning? We're doing wonderful. Before we get to the important issues of banking, do you think Auburn goes over 100 yards passing this week at LSU Saturday night? Well, I think if they don't, we're going to have a very difficult time of winning that football game. You know LSU is going to put up points, and if it becomes a track meet, it's going to be difficult. And if Auburn doesn't have over 100 yards passing, then it's probably going to be a pretty lopsided game. So uh, I'm going to go with it's going to be difficult, but I'm going to go yes, just hoping that uh, the Tigers can can get something going on the uh, passing game. Well, that would that would break the string of what six or seven games now under a hundred yards passing against Power Five teams. Yeah, that just that's not that's not something we want to talk about. All right, we won't talk about it. What what can we talk about to excite fans, our listeners about Community Bank? You know, as our name says, Lee, we're always out in the community. And a couple things that I'll just quickly mention is last week we were out. We held a community credit class for some residents in Mobile that were just trying to learn about different ways they can improve their credit and, and teach them some of the, the, the finer aspects of saving and checking accounts and, and stuff like that. And then yesterday we were out at uh, the University of South Alabama with some business students just uh, answering some questions and giving some insights on banking. It's something that we do not only at South Alabama, but we've been to the other larger universities in the state as well. So, you know, holding true to the community bank name, we're just out in the community, and I think that gets lost sometimes. But we really enjoy uh, being a part of the Mobile area community and getting out and and giving back. So that's just something I wanted to mention. I'm glad you did. Interest rates still up there? Yeah, interest rates are great. We're having a lot of people come in and take advantage of the higher uh, deposit rates. As we talked before, that's uh, been missing in the years past, and now it's up to a point where it's really making a difference. Uh, so pleased about that and seeing a lot of people take advantage of that. So I invite your listeners into any of our five locations, or they can give us a call at 338-7707 to discuss those. Roy, always a pleasure to talk business with you. We'll be in touch next week. You have a wonderful week. All right. All right, thank you. It's Roy Hudson of Community Bank. All right, you guys can jump in on the conversation at 694-1055. That's the number. We're going to talk to Richie Riley coming up here in about uh, 10 minutes or so. Uh, we So, yeah, you asked Roy. We've kind of been debating uh, whether or not Auburn will pass or go for over 100 yards uh, passing against LSU. Um, I'm convinced they will. I think this is the week. Uh, I think Bronner's convinced they will. Yes. Um, Lee? Not, not convinced. Not convinced. Not convinced. Got to show me bit. you can do it. Whether LSU's got this porous defense, that's one thing. But Auburn hasn't really shown me anything in the passing game. And also, until things materialize, I think the game plan that Hugh Freeze instituted against Georgia might apply. 
on a Saturday night in LSU. Keep the ball on the ground. Keep the clock moving. Kill time as much as you can to keep that LSU defense, uh, offense off the field because they're very prolific in scoring. And just try to keep the ball out of the hands of Jaden Daniels. And the way to do that, get that running game going. You ran against Georgia well. If you can do that against LSU, why not keep that game plan intact, knowing that to this point, Maybe things have changed in the last week or two, but I, I'm not convinced that uh, they can, uh, let's say, up revamp or, let's say, amp up the passing game. Well, well again, it's, it's not like they've been throwing 20 yards a game. Like, they threw, like, 88 against Georgia, and we're talking about 100. We're talking about a difference of 12 yards between, you know, a good passing defense and a dreadful passing defense. Like Again, we're not saying, is Auburn going to throw the ball all, of, all over the field against LSU? We're saying, are they capable of... In the year of 2023, of throwing 100 yards in a college football game. It might be 110, but yes, they're going to go over 100 yards passing. So why haven't game. they in the previous six or seven games against Power 5 teams? Because they can't throw the ball. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but this game yeah. they can. Yes, they had a, an extra – they got a bye week. The receivers have uh, have been taking a lot of s- stuff. I'll say stuff all week. They, like, they've taken it personal and – they're playing LSU's defense again. Eighty-eight passing, <laughs> eighty-eight passing yards against Georgia, not not twenty. So so yeah, so eighty-eight passing yards against Georgia. I think it's fair to say they could get twelve more, like against LSU's team. You guys are very optimistic. It's not that optimistic. Again, I I think they can throw a hundred passing yards in a game against a terrible passing. They defense. should be it's able to like throw a hundred yards against anybody. They should be they able should to throw two hundred fifty yards. All right, this so here's, here's another one for you. Who commits more penalties? Saturday, Alabama or Arkansas? Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> Maybe they get it cleaned up. I'll, I'll tell you what, Lee. I'm gonna I'm gonna make an even bolder prediction. Wow. Auburn's gonna throw 200 passing yards Ooh. on Saturday against LSU. What do you know that we don't know? Then what what has <laughs> happened? What are your sources telling you up at Jordan Hare? I don't have so you so you're always asking me about sources, sources, sources. So this I'm just, just basing this off watching the football games. But LSU have, uh, can't defend the pass. Auburn's coming off a bye week. It makes sense. You say you you watch these games, and every week is different. I know people have a tendency, well, what happened last week or the week before? But I'm just curious, what have you seen in Auburn's passing game that can convince you? Because I think they're going to be more emphasis on running the football. It's That's both. What I'm thinking. It's way more so what I've seen in LSU's defense than what I've seen nothing in Auburn's passing offense, but it's If you were the coach, would you emphasize the passing game Saturday or the running game? I would emphasize a balanced attack cuz LSU can't stop either. Cuz normally what happens is when Auburn gets into trouble and why they have problems passing, they're always third and long. Yeah. Well, because they can't run the ball. We'll find out if they can run against LSU. They did well, against if they can't Georgia. Well, if they can't run against LSU, they can't run against they, anybody. they got to be able to run the ball, too. Well, they ran no against mistake. Georgia. They ran they against did Georgia very well. well. Over 200 yards against yeah. Georgia. Nobody was doing that. I'm looking at some team stats here. All these it. sources. I, I watched them give up. 500 yards to Missouri. I watched them give up 700 yards to Ole Miss. Well, the, I don't need the, sources to tell me their defense stinks. All right, identify. Oh, there it is. There it is. It stinks. Identify yourself as a source. I'm, I'm, my, I'm my own source. Yeah, Michael is sourcing himself. Good comment in the app. Auburn. Just consider the source. That's all I'm saying. 175 <laughs> yards passing, Cons- 189 now, uh, You got my rushing. point. Just consider the source. Oh, you walked right into that one. He set you up for that one. See? 
We're out here playing checkers and Shervanian out here playing chess, thinking two moves at a time. I have never played chess in my life. I want a prolific passing performance from Peyton Thorne with like 180 <laughs> yards on Saturday. <laughs> It would be a prolific pass. I know. You know. If you go back in his career at Michigan State, he did have prolific passing he stats at Michigan year. State. In he 2021, did. he had he a did. really good year. I feel like I said this before. We never did. I feel like we got to bring back our, um, you know, with all the talk about uh, him at Michigan State. Actually, it's the receivers who left there that have gone on and done really, really well. We need to bring back our prop bets competition. Where we just come up with three or four. I'm gonna set a. I'm gonna set a line for this all for Auburn's total passing yards. We'll come back in the last segment with it. So okay, since you're the the source of yourself. Yeah. Who were the? Was it Keon Coleman who left Michigan State? For that left. Oh, from 2021 to 2022. That is no. That's now doing very well. Oh, Jaden Reed for the Packers. Is that what you're talking about? I'm talking about the receivers. A couple of receivers left Michigan State and are doing very well elsewhere. We're going to have to get back on this one. All right. The Re guy at Florida State you're talking about. Yes, the one at Florida State. And I think there's another one. This one go a little bit longer, Michael. It's one of my favorite all-time themes. Thought you fell asleep on me. No, I, I do this on purpose because I just love listening to uh, the uh, Hoosier theme and because it leads into our next guest, the head basketball coach at Richie Riley. So he's going to join us now. But that's why I did it. I'm glad I was worried there because you didn't start out with it and it might have cost you, but uh, you, you rebounded it, well. It's, it's amazing that that's, this is the only place you can hear that song. That Hoosier exactly. Theme. You can't hear it anywhere else. No, you really no can't. No other radio station no. plays it. You're yeah. right about that. We'll have to do an open request line or something. Thank you. All right, Coach Riley, ready to go. Good morning, sir. How are you today? I'm doing great, guys. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that music too, Lee. I, I know you do, <laughs> and you and I are on the same path. You guys have similar tastes in everything, huh? We do. We yeah. do. Uh, Richie we're and I have very, a lot of. Very we're, similar. We're very well versed. <laughs> Renaissance. We like all sports, not just one sport. We, we, we adhere to all of them. I wanted to ask you today, before we talk about college football or basketball, well, this is college basketball, the decision on Kansas, in this case, I guess, goes, what, to 2017, the FBI case? It's 2017, and here we are six years later. They're supposed to hand down the, the decision today on the infractions case. Richie, what do you think is the worst thing you can do to cripple a basketball program, would it be postseason ban, limited scholarships? As a coach, what would be the worst thing that could be handed down? I would think probably multiple seasons of postseason ban. Um, I, I would think that because the scholarships are like if you're if you're at a place like that, scholarship situation now is kind of null and void for those guys because they can just. I mean, they could literally have 25 scholarship guys if they wanted to. They're just on NIL scholarship, you know, with the way that with the way that the world works now. So, probably multiple seasons of postseason ban. Um, you know, I think you get away with one year if you're somewhere like that. There's a multiple schools go through that. 
But yeah, if it was if it was multiple years, like three to four years of postseason ban, I think that would be the only way you can kind of cripple a program at this stage. All right, let's talk some. Yeah, I don't think it, nothing like that's going to happen to Kansas. No, I'm they'll with probably, you. They'll probably get fined and you know a couple recruiting days off or something. There, I don't think. I don't think there's going to be any hammers dropped over over that way. Do you remember the the line the late Gary Tarkanian issued years ago when that uh, his line was, well, the NCAA is going after Kentucky, so they'll get off, but watch out Kent State or some small school like that. Do you remember when he came out with that? It was so funny that they'll pick on a small school, but they'll let the uh, alpha school uh, go okay. Yeah, he's right. It's always been that, and um, you know, it's really, it's really unfair the way it's happened throughout the history. I mean, it's that's been one constant. You know, the you've seen it with if it's an incredible stack of infractions, we've seen some some of the bigger schools get punished pretty drastically. But yeah, that's that's one in you know two hundred. You know, it's usually. And for the same amount of infractions, uh, you know, mid to low or whatever level outside of one of those blue bloods or power fives, they they just get hammered, man. And it's uh, it's a, it's really sad how how some of those have played out. But he, he was he was spot on when he said that. Uh, Richie Riley is our guest here. Speaking of uh, some hoops, uh, Dylan Brooks. I had to laugh. We we generally make it a point not to talk NBA on this show till about Christmas time. But man. Dylan Brooks did not wait long to uh, make his presence known in an exhibition game. Dude got ejected four and a half minutes into the game, Richie. Yeah, he's he's out of control. He's he's wild. He's it's kind of like he's developed this persona of like a wrestler or something. He's like this. He lives for all this stuff. I mean, he got ejected in the FIBA the, the um, <laughs> against Luca and those guys. Yeah. So he, just, he keeps getting ejected. He's in the media all the time, you know. And it, again, it's if you're a role guy like that, you better have a ton of value if you're going to have that much exposure and and the light on you all the time. And, and maybe he does. Maybe he's going to bring a lot of value to them. I think he's an elite defender. He's a capable, you know, offensive player, but. You know, he needs to produce a little more if he's going to be out there like that. Yeah, so for those that aren't familiar, he got ejected for a flagrant foul, too, uh, to the groin, I might add. But his his uh, his quote after was, was hilarious. He goes, I tried to navigate a screen. I might have tapped him below the waist. <laughs> <laughs> Richie, let me ask you, the NBA general managers, uh, they take a poll. They have uh, tabbed Denver and Boston as the teams to beat this year in their respective conferences. Do you agree or disagree? I would probably have to agree. I, I think Denver's going to be hard to beat. I know everybody's excited about the Suns. and The Lakers get some hype every year. Everybody's hopeful that Anthony Davis will show the consistency and do what he's capable of, but I think I think Denver's proven, you know, and they have, you know, they got a guy like Jokic, and then they've got all the pieces around them. You know, Jamal Murray's playing at a high level, so I would say Denver. You would have to say that, and then then I would give Boston probably the edge over the Bucks, just from a standpoint of 
you know, they have their core of Tatum and Brown and, and all the role guys. And you had Drew Holiday, which is a natural, perfect fit to me. And the Bucks, though, I do like their pieces, too. You know, you got two, you got arguably the best player in the league with the honest, and then Dame Willard is probably one of eight to ten best players in the league. And, and their pieces around them are really good with Middleton and Connaughton and all the pieces they have around them. So, I think it's close, but I, I would agree with that. I would say probably Boston and, and Denver. All right, so you practically answered my next question, which was going to be, who do you think was the most important addition, Drew Holiday going to the Celtics or Lillard going to Milwaukee? I think you got to say Lillard from the standpoint of just the star power that he adds, and he gives them a, and he gives them a dynamic that they haven't had. You know, he's shot-making. And, and another explosive score. I know Middleton's had a great career there, but he's kind of on the last leg of his career. And Dame is older, but Dame still has a lot of juice, you know. So he adds a guy that can go out and score 40 or 50 when you need it. They can, when Giannis is out of the lineup, comfortably carry them. And then he adds to Giannis because Giannis doesn't shoot it great. And Dame is an elite shot maker. So I think you have to say him, but Drew Holiday is the best, add in terms of fit you know because he really fits their culture of who boston is and he gives them a toughness level defensively a championship pedigree that they need you know because they've been close like really close and they're, they have their two stars already so now you add that third piece with the experience that he has and he gives them another level of toughness and an elite perimeter defender. So I think from a fit standpoint, I would say Boston. I, anytime you had Dame Lillard, that type of star power, you you would have to say that's the that's the biggest they had off season. He's Richie Riley. He gets the South Alabama basketball coach. Joins us here on WNSP. All right, who scores more points against Louisiana Monroe, the South Alabama football team? Or the South Alabama basketball team this year? I hope us. I hope we can put up more than 55, but I would be real disappointed <laughs> if we don't. But that was, that was impressive. I, I I comment on Twitter, and I've commented some other places, too. I mean, us bouncing back like that, we had a rough two weeks there after the Oklahoma State win, and we bounced back in a big way. I, I think this team is going to play really well down the stretch. I do. I think they're going to play really well. Our schedule sets up pretty good. You got some home games. Got a big one against Southern Miss coming um, next Tuesday, and you know, got home games against Louisiana and Marshall. We're both good teams. Marshall's played really, really well. And Louisiana beat Texas Tech. I mean, Texas State this past week, which was a great win. And then we got Troy and Texas State on the road. Um, and I feel like I'm missing one game, but you know, it's. It sets up good. I think we're going to play really well down the stretch. All right. Setting aside South Alabama, obviously your loyal loyalties are there for football. What other team out there do you enjoy watching the most? Not including South Alabama, but if you have a chance to. And you can't say Clemson either. That's a cop out. Well, I don't think Clemson would rank up there right now, would you? Would it? As far as watching them on TV and. I do love. Well, I love watching Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> this year, football. this year, I love Clemson. South Alabama football. I love Clemson football. But pick a um, t- team out there that's... The teams, you know what? That's a good question. Because I, I watch all of it. I, I really watch it a lot of football. You guys know that. Um, and I enjoy different styles of football. 
I do. I enjoy I enjoy the teams that air it out and play fast. That's probably my favorite. But I like I like the teams that can can run on you and you know kind of pound you. I, I enjoy watching Georgia, just like anybody, because they're just so they operate like a Fortune 500 company, man. I mean, it's every week. I mean, everybody's doubting them because they hadn't played well. I think they're a little bored. And then everybody hypes up this Kentucky game. They come out and they they show you why they're number one in the country and show you why they're on track to win another one. Um, so I like that. You know who's a fun team to watch is USC. I don't know if you guys stay up late enough. I know Lee keeps late hours, so he's probably up at, you know, 1231 on a Saturday night. Um, but it's watching them, the way they score, you know, their defense is horrible, so the game goes really fast. You know, so the other team scored a lot. I mean, they gave up 47 or 45 or something to Arizona, who's not very good. Um, so I enjoy watching them just because of their pace. And I enjoy Ole Miss. I like how they play, too. They're fun to watch. You got Judkins, the kid. He's from Alabama, um, running back, one of the best running backs in the country. So I enjoy them, but I, I just enjoy a lot of football, man. I watched all three of those games last night, you know, especially the second half once my kids went to bed. Um, middle beat Latte. It's a good game. Coastal had a heck of a win at App State. Really good win. And then um, I was rooting for Jacksonville State to beat Liberty, but Liberty took care of them. So I, I, I just enjoy the schematics of football. I do. What the do you play th- calling. The I just I really enjoy it. I mean, it's 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 just a a great sport to me. What if LSU and Southern Cal met? What do you think the final score would be, or how high could they get into the sixties or seventies? There's no doubt it'd be like seventy-two to sixty-five or something. I mean, the amount, like you know, and it's weird because Brian Kelly's teams usually are pretty sound defensively, like his Notre Dame teams, and you know, so it's weird that they're giving up so many points. It's really odd. Now, USC's always done that. I think the, the coordinator, he was at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley. His name's like Alex Grinch or something. It, it, that's a weird deal, too, because he's been the coordinator for him forever, and they've always given up a ton of points. And I feel like if I was going to score a lot of points, I would want my defense to at least limit, you know, at least. I mean, the way they score, if they limit you to four touchdowns, they're going to they're gonna beat you by two or three touchdowns because you're not going to stop them. So... Yeah, the tour would be definitely in the 60s. All right, Rich, you got a couple of uh, questions from the folks listening in our app. Uh, two things. What are you most looking forward to this upcoming season? And would you hire Deion Sanders for your staff if he were available and knew anything about basketball? Yeah, it'd be a home run. I'd hire him I'd hire him right now. He, he He's the um, – he's it's insane. I saw they're trying to offer him a lifetime contract. But wouldn't he? Wouldn't he dwarf it. your personality, though? I mean, you're kind of the life of the party now. Now all of a sudden, everybody wants to talk to your assistant coach. Nobody wants to talk to the head coach. I would be good with that. Wow. I would, I would be good with it. I think I think he'd probably help us get some nil too. Yeah, think you think? A, I think I think he'd probably help us get some nil, which would be much needed. You and, just uh, you just want some of them prime twenty one sunglasses. That's what you want. I need some of those too. Yeah. I need some of those too. Yeah, there is no brighter star in, in all of heck, all of sport, period, Captain NFL than Deion Sanders right now. I mean they're they're still coming out of the woodwork to watch Colorado play Arizona State. I mean, think about that. I mean, just crazy. 
what he's doing out there. It's a, it's a really neat deal. It's a little bit over the top for me, my personality, you know, sometimes watching it, but it's it's great for college football. I mean, it's really cool what they're doing. Do you know um, that uh, – The question is what am I looking forward to this year? Yeah, for the upcoming basket, your upcoming basketball season. Yeah, I'm excited to coach this team. I've, I'm probably more excited than I've been in a long time just with the, the personalities we have, the type of kids we have. Um, the skill sets we have, I, I'm really excited to coach these guys, um, and, and then try to get us, try to get us back to, to that that Monday night again, and and have a different result. Um, you know, when you taste that, when you get to a championship game, and we haven't been to a championship game since 2008, and it's hard to get there, it's hard to attain it. So when you get there, you want to get back, and you want to finish the job. So that's the mission for this team. Um, we got a long way. I break, I break every year down to, you know, it's three different seasons really. You know, you got your nine kind where you're really trying to come together and get better and win. You know, you're trying to win all of them and have a successful nine kind. Then you got the regular season championship you're playing for, and obviously seeding, and then that last part of the season, which is is viewed by everybody. You know, we've won a ton of games here, but we want to get to that NCAA tournament, and um, so. That's the goal, but I'm excited about this group, probably as excited as I've ever been. And yep. it's my eighth year being a head coach, so I'm as excited as I ever have been. A couple of football notes quickly. Do you know the Colorado game is this Friday night against Stanford? Uh, it it stands alone to watch Friday night. The other thing is, did you see last week, because I know you follow all kinds of football, where Nickel State receiver was like the, the play of the of the day? on ESPN when they do that college football final. The catch by that nickel state receiver in the end zone was like they kept yeah, running it. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't know if you had seen that or I, I'm assuming he was not there when you were there coaching, uh, obviously, because it's been a while now since you left nickel state. No, he, he wasn't there. I've, I've followed nickel still. You know, I got a lot of really good friends and I love nickel. And uh, so I follow him. Tim Rebo, the football coach, I always root for him. Except when they came up here, we got them pretty good last year when they came up here. Um, but they they got a good program, and yeah, it's cool to see them get exposure like that because they love Nichols in that area. And um, living down there and coaching there for two years, that you get just the passion they have for Nichols. So for them to be on ESPN was a really neat deal. And then it, Colorado should have a standalone game. Every single week, they should they should schedule them during the week. They shouldn't even play on Saturdays. They should play just all through the week, different days of the week, each week. Because it's just I mean, we're talking about Colorado Stanford. Stanford isn't the Stanford of Andrew Luck, you know, or Christian McCaffrey. This is Stanford, not very good Stanford, in Colorado. And the viewership for that game on Friday night will be as if like Texas and Alabama are playing. I mean, that's how crazy. What they're doing out there, what what Dion is doing out there, it's just it's amazing to watch. Well, best of luck getting him uh, signed to a, a lifetime contract here. We uh, we'll be the first to have you on to congratulate you when it happens. Yeah, I don't think I can afford him. I, th- I think I would. You just got to get. I can afford you just got to get creative, yeah. man. Yeah, you do. You do. you could. I, I'm still waiting on you to capitalize on all this nil. I thought you were going to like kind of kind of take that over for us and. You and Lee are going to take it to another level for me, but I, I'm still waiting on it. I haven't, I haven't, our program's not received a check yet. Uh, oh, you didn't get it? Okay, you see. 
Not Lee, that, Lee, got lost. I, I, I'll just just go ahead and resend it. I didn't. I didn't no, you it. see, I said Lee, Cash App, Apple Pay, Venmo, whatever, and he said, no, I'm just gonna I'm gonna write out a check and send it in the mail, and that's what happened. So we'll get that over to you now. I, I'll just I'll I'll zell you. How about that? Yeah, like. Yeah, like like Randy Moss says, straight cash, homie. I don't I don't want no gift cards. I don't want no. I don't want I don't want any of that. I want straight cash, homie, just like Randy Moss said. Uh, and on that note, we'll let you go. Hey, uh, we appreciate it as always, man. Always a good time. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys, enjoyed it. Yep, that's uh, South Alabama coach Richie Riley, basketball coach. I guess I got to specify this time of year. All right, we'll come back with a final segment, so stay with us. We'll set the table for the rest of the day. You guys can jump in, the whole deal. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Heim, Lee Shrevanian, right here on the sports station, WNSP, and online at WNSP.com. Stay with us. This is Jason Caffey. Thank you for listening to WNSP 105.5 FM. Finished up another opening kickoff, 8.55 this Wednesday morning. Of course, Dan Patrick is coming up next. And then at 1 o'clock, we really get going with college football with uh, Chuck Oliver from 1 to 3. And then the final drive from 3 to 6. So did you set some, some lines for us, hypothetical prop lines over there? Yeah. What do you got for us? For Auburn total passing yards. 168.5. 168.5. 168.5. Over, under, well, Lee, you're going under. Oh, easily. <clears throat> yeah. 168.5. Where'd you come up with that one, by the way? Uh, 200 seemed a bit ambitious. I will go... I'm going to go... Under, I'm gonna go under 168.5. What do you what do you would say you? I'm taking the over. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so over under, guys. Quick informal poll in our last two minutes here. Over under 168.5. Over under for passing yards for Auburn against LSU. Let us know. All right. And was was there another one you were doing, or was that it? Someone just put a good one in the app. Who has more yards, Alabama penalty yards or Auburn passing yards? I'm going to go. That could be really close. Because, you know, there's going to be a backdoor cover on this when a penalty gets declined, and I'm going to get ticked off about (laughs) it. Uh, So the Alabama had 14 penalties. I don't know exactly what the yardage is. Wasn't they up around 90? 90 or something? Probably. a lot. But of them they had a lot five of five-yard penalties. And nine of them were five yards. So, um, They had a pass interference. That was dicey, by so the way. So we're looking at what, between like 70, maybe, and 80 yards last week? Right around what Auburn threw passing yards-wise exactly. against Jordan. That's, that's a really good question. It is. I'll take the over-under. Are you looking for over-under? He, no, which just which is oh, more Al- Alabama Auburn's penalty gonna get yards more, or Auburn passing yards? Auburn's going to get more passing. I yards. think I'm going Auburn passing yards. I think playing so. at home will cut down on their pre-snap penalties. I think Alabama 
cuts down on some penalties this week. They were uh, Alabama was 14 penalties for 99 yards. Ooh, this, there close. you go. So it so actually Lee, works out. Lee, if you're ta- taking the Auburn passing yards, you know that might mean you're taking over 100 or yeah. just Alabama cuts I'm taking down on the penalties. Auburn gets more passing yards because I think Alabama cuts down on penalties playing at home. They don't have okay. to deal with the crowd noise. There you go. All right. Well, that does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. Uh, quick preview. What you got tomorrow? Paul Feinbaum will be with us. Yep. Eli Gold. That's for starters. Uh, Jim Maggie from the Reese's Senior Bowl. All right. So uh, sounds like another good one forming for tomorrow. For Mr. Bronner and for Lee, I'm Mark. That does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. Stay with us. Uh, the Dan Patrick Show is next, and we'll be back tomorrow at 6. Until then, see you.